Blog Talk Radio. It's time to strap our boots on. This is a perfect day to die. Wipe the blood out of our eyes. In this life, there's no surrender. And there's nothing left for us to do. Find the strength to see this through. Final breath. 
you once again for coming to Bard's Logic Political Talk, part of the conservative conversation. And whether you're listening here uh, live tonight or whether you're listening to the podcast, it is always appreciated if you uh, share the link out to other folks, uh, whether you're downloading this episode here on Blog Talk Radio or if you're taking the link to the night show and uh, sharing it out with people on your voicemails. Uh, voicemails. Uh, I leave a lot of those at work. Uh, but if you uh, leave it on their emails is what I meant to say. Uh, and, of course, you also hey, can listen to the show on multiple uh, podcast apps uh, where you just got to put in a search for Bart's Logic uh, Political Talk, and you can show it there. And, and certainly appreciate it if you share it uh, through your friends. I think email with the link uh, may be the best way because I know you guys probably have a lot of people on your email list. Uh, and I'm sure they have a lot of the interests uh, that you have. And so, of course, with you having an interest in the show, uh, which, of course, we certainly appreciate it, I'm sure they would be interested as well. So uh, if you haven't found us here at Blog Talk Radio, just go to www.blogtalkradio.com, and then you go to the uh, search part and just put Bard's Logic Political Talk. Find it there. You're welcome to follow the show uh, as well. But definitely, uh, even more importantly, I, I think that following it is just you know, take that link from the episode. Just got to click on it, and you'll start hearing the music for the show. Just copy and paste that link, and, and people can listen to the uh, the archive, and that they're welcome to uh, to download it uh, from there as well, uh, so they can keep it on their you know, whatever listening device that they use. Or again, there's other uh, podcast apps that they can use. So, uh, Barge Logic, and of course, myself, the host, would. I certainly appreciate uh, you doing that kindness uh, by sharing out the link of the show. Now, for our opening com- my opening comments tonight, uh, I would say that uh, after what we've seen recently with Gotis and the recent decisions, and at least my take is Gotis is showing it cares little for the integrity of the vote or the rule of law. Uh, what I would say with SCOTUS failing integrity, uh, we will need real patriots uh, to represent us even more uh, than we have, I believe, in the past, at least in the recent past. Now, it's been obvious uh, to Bard's logic and its listeners, there are many in our courts with so-called or with so-called representatives who cannot be trusted to protect our republic. Six members of the Supreme Court, including Trump nominees Kavanaugh and Barrett, refused uh, to hear the election challenge cases. And not only they failed to address the Supreme Court failed to address the issue of in this issue of constitutional importance for the integrity of the elections, they didn't even deem it necessary to explain their actions to the citizens of these United States, to whom they're supposed to serve. They didn't even deem necessary to explain why. And I want to, you know, so with them not even explain, wanting to hear the case, not explaining why they decided not to, because Biden already got inaugurated this isn't just for this past election this is how 
the future elections are going to be. So not only did SCOTA slight us with this indignity, they're allowing a veritable witch hunt to continue to occur against America's rightful president, President Trump, by allowing prosecutors to access our president's tax returns. So Bart's logic has stated many times it is time to find, fund, and support patriotic and grassroots leaders to run against those uh, who I see. I hate when I do typos on my uh, who are not afraid and who are we? We don't need any more politicians. I've said this many times. We need politicians who are of and for the people instead of of and for the politicians. So in the coming weeks, we are working on having Jack Lombardi as a guest on our show. He's going to be running against Kinzinger in his primary for Illinois 16th District. We'll also have an article about another person who is going to be running. So that, that could possibly be an interesting uh, primary. Uh, and that uh, now this person uh, will be actually, if they're all in the hat by the time we get here, former top advisor to President Trump, Catalina Lauf, and she's throwing her hat in the ring. Now, of course, we here at Bard's Logic would like to interview her and have her on the show as well. Uh, perhaps you could help. Uh, if you are on Twitter, uh, you can reach her Twitter at, at Catalina, and that's with a C, Lauf, L-A-U-F. Reach her out on Twitter and you know, tell her you have a, you know, an interview, uh, a show you'd like to see her be interviewed on or hear her. <laughs> the radio, so here will be interviewed on here on Bard's Logic. So again, if you're on Twitter, you know, send her, you know, send her a tweet. You, you, you can't, even if you're following her, you can't send him a message. But send him a tweet uh, to Catalina uh, Lauf. So I hope, you know, so he's in Florida right now, Lombardi, Mr. Lombardi is. Uh, so I'm supposed to contact him again next week. I do have other folks who are in primaries that I've reached out to. Um, I do need to reach out a couple, you know, some more times to them. Get them on the get them on the show. Um, so we'll uh, one's running against uh, Gonzalez here in Ohio, and you know we've got some an interesting development about. Uh, and I'll let Joseph brought this uh, to mind to me today, so I'll let him uh, bringing up about Romney. So I do see callers on the line. Press the one on your number dial if you'd like to get in, and I'll get you into the show. Uh, but that is the opening comments uh, for tonight's episode. And so let's speak it up, Joseph. Let's go ahead and uh, welcome him in. Thank you very much, Joseph, for coming to the show. How are you tonight? Uh, oh, doing well. Always a pleasure to be on the show. Uh, as a matter of fact, uh, adding to that uh, candidate who's running against Kissinger, as you were referencing on the show, is also uh, a female named uh, Catalina Lauf. And she's also running against Kissinger as well. So this yeah, is getting really yeah. heated up. Exactly. Yeah, and, but, yeah. uh, a little... No, I'm sorry. What were you going to say? No, you see, yeah, that's uh, the one with her Twitter. To, you know, reach out to her on Twitter, and I'd like to get her on the show too. It would be, be interesting to have them both on. Not, not at the same time, but unless we did some type of debate or something, which I've always wanted to do here on the show. But go ahead. 
Correct, correct. And uh, Little Birdie told me uh, you may be airing uh, her commercial. It's it's pretty interesting, uh, the commercial, uh, whenever you decide to air it. Uh, it just shows you the heat is on. I mean, you know, uh, the heat is on with these uh, 10 re- Republicans in, in the House. I mean, you got so far two to three people challenging uh, each one of those uh, Republicans. Um, yeah, there is going to be a, a purge indeed. Um, also getting to uh, Romney, it's very, very interesting. Uh, an article came out. Uh, let me pull that up. It's a very short article here. And it came out on uh, Newsweek three hours ago. Uh, so listeners of the show, um, this is Mitt Romney's word. I kid you not. Um, if you don't believe me, go to uh, Newsmax.com. And it came out three hours ago. Says Senator Mitt Romney of Utah has conceded that Donald Trump holds the upper hand in the civil war raging in the Republican Party. Uh, Romney has long been a staunch adversary of the former president and voted to convict him in both uh, Senate impeachment trials. This putting him firmly in Trump's firing line in a clash of emblematic uh, of the split in the GOP. Uh, one second here. But it's uh, interesting because he goes on to say Mitt Romney told the New York Times on Tuesday that he believes Donald Trump would win if he decided to run for president again in 2024. Um, Quote, this is Mitt Romney. He has by far the largest voice and a big impact in my party, Romney said. I don't know if he's planning to run in 2024 or not, but if he does, I'm pretty sure he would win the nomination. Wow. That is a 360-degree capitulation, ladies and gentlemen, indeed. Uh, Could it be maybe because the Republican Party of Utah has voted uh, to censure him, and he's probably receiving God knows how many death threats left and right? Uh, Yeah, that's what happens when you cross. We the people, as you said in the beginning of the show, the people who these candidates – When they become elected officials, they swear when they're running for office that they're solely running to serve the bidding of their constituency. And then when they get to office, how quickly do they forget about we the people? And they wind up swimming in the D.C. swamp instead. And uh, that's why I'm really excited about CPAC on Sunday because this year's keynote speaker – is our president, Donald J. Trump. I'm praying he's going to announce that he's going to run for 2024. Hell have no fury if he decides to run. Uh, And going back to SCOTUS, I do believe that it is time that we have a president that actually makes a constitutional amendment to finally give term limits to Supreme Court justices. This notion that Supreme Court justices are allowed to serve until they expire, well, it's just not working for the American people. And the living proof of that is the examples that you brought at the beginning of this show and the just three justices that uh, Donald Trump appointed and also Chief Justice Roberts, who George W. Bush appointed. And in the end of the day, They don't vote 
along the constitutional lines. It has become politicized. And that's why I'm praying that if President Trump does run in 2024, that we finally bring a constitutional amendment that they should not have the luxury of serving a lifetime. They should be subject to term limits. And that's why I think uh, the justices voted the way that they did. It's because they feel emboldened, Robert. They feel that, hey, I have this position until I decide to give it up or until I expire. Therefore, I'm not beholden to the American people. I'm not beholden to the Constitution. I could abuse my authority and do as I please. But if there were term limits, I think they would be towing a different line. And I think this needs to be really reevaluated because since the inception of a constitutional republic, Supreme Court justices have always enjoyed the luxury of having lifetime appointments. How's that been working out for our country in over 200 years of us being a constitutional republic? If you look at the pros versus the cons, there have been more negative damage that have been inflicted upon Supreme Court justices than there has been positive in our history of being a constitutional republic. And if that is not a wake-up call for we the people to say, not only should senators in our House of Representatives have term limit time, we start opening the door to term limits on SCOTUS. And I defer back to you, my friend Robert. No, I, I mean, yeah, I heard a, there was a little clapping sound, and I, I do have the uh, that commercial keyed up, and we'll play it in a little bit. Um, and so, yeah, as the SCOTUS, yeah, I'm I'm beginning to believe that because now supposedly I know the argument is, oh well, you know, we want them uh, to be able to be, you know, and uh, not be able to be affected by. You know, elections, or they need to not be. And we're not saying I'm not saying that they'd be elected, but this would be the argument: is all we don't we don't want them to be you know subject to elections, or we don't want you know them. To, and, and here's the ironic thing: is one of the arguments is, well, we don't want them to be able to be uh, influenced by the mob, right? Well, but but that's exactly that's the thing. That's exactly what just happened. That's actually what happened because the reason why. You know, there's some people who are stating this. Is that one of the reasons why they believe that SCOTUS didn't do anything before? And I actually have a, I have a statement here um, in this article. We'll get to later. You know, what Claire Thomas had to say about it. But basically, the reason why they won't touch this is they're afraid of the riots in the street. I mean, even Justice Roberts Roberts was reported to say, you know, in response to them, you know, taking these. Uh, listening to it even bef- you know even before the election and then and then shortly afterwards before the inauguration, I think well this happened after the inauguration like well we can't take these I mean if we take these and if it somehow overturns the vote well then I'm not going to be Roberts I'm paraphrasing basically saying well he's not going to be responsible for the riots that are going to be in the street because of it so the mob they're they're afraid of the mob and and then when it comes to Amy Coney Barrett through my understanding is. He's got a con- she has a concern that her friends are going to be bullied, and not her friends, her family, like her children. Her young children are going to be bullied, you know, because of, you know, of a decision a decision she may make. So it's like, look, if you're going to be a Supreme Court justice, you better have the gonads, you know, the tatas or the guts to be or to be able to do it. 
you know, if you're going to be in, you, if you're going to be in a position of power, and that that's one of the most powerful positions, like in, in the world, frankly. I mean, they I mean they may be, these people may very well be more powerful than the president of the United States, especially since you pointed out, uh, Joseph. They're there for the. I mean, she, that that woman could be there for forty years. For forty years, we may very well. And this goes for Kavanaugh as well. But we very well may have cowards in the Supreme Court of the United States for literally the next two decades. For the next two – I would like to know what they said to Kavanaugh and Amy Comey Barrett to have her, them not listen to the – and I don't want to hear this bullshit, oh, well, we didn't want to be seen as pu- uh, Trump's puppets. Uh, no. What you could have done is sided with the American people. And say, look, you know, while the, while these answers aren't being, you know, properly investigated, and while these answers even aren't being in this voter fraud, it's, it's not being properly, you know, uh, vetted and, and and exposed and, and let the evidence to come out. Then we're just we're gonna be like, look, we don't uh, we don't we don't trust in our election system. You know, that's that's what's going to make it hard to get patriotic representatives. I I think because I mean, who, I mean, who knows? Maybe those will be. Now, I think this might sound counterintuitive, but I think it very well may be harder to rig a pre- – I mean harder to rig a school election than it would be a presidential election, which, again, may sound counterintuitive, uh, but I would say it may be easier because you know, it's a, a presidential uh, pre- uh, election is just so vast. I mean there, you can't you – know, there's so much that could be out there. It would take a long time for, for scrutiny on it. That, that's what, what, what I think. Uh, but yeah, with SCOTUS with having a a term limits, yeah, I, I'm, I'm starting to think yeah, I, I agree with you know, and I'm again, I'm not saying they should be elected, but I'm saying that yeah, they they shouldn't be in there. They should have a limited tenure. You know, okay, a SCOTUS is in there for you know x amount of years, but not lifetime, because these people could be in decades, and we may very well have a couple of cowards in there that we can have possibly in there. You know, literally maybe for the rest of my life. Because she's about my age, you know. She, you know, she, she's about. I think she's actually younger than I am. So I could have this coward, you know, in, in the Supreme Court for forty years. So yeah, I got that keyed up, and I'm going to go ahead and get this um, for folks her commercial uh, for it. Now, one of the things I well, I'll bring this up later. But when you do go to, if you go to her Twitter. Well, I'll, I'll let you. I'll hear the commercial, but uh, first, uh, but and, and then I'll go something I found on Twitter when I when I go to her. I mean, I'm, you know, definitely like to get her on the show. So you know, go to her if you're on Twitter. Go to her at Catalina Lauf. That's uh, Catalina with a C, and then L A U F. Uh, no underscores or anything. So just and then you know, send her a tweet. You know, you like to have her on Bard's Logic, and and then when I reach out. She was like, oh, okay, I've been hearing people asking about this. And so maybe she get on. Now, one thing I would like to talk to her about, I'm going to bring it up now since I'm, you know, I'm trying to make it flow, but one of the things I, I'd like to talk to her about is I did go to her Twitter uh, that she clicked on, and, and I clicked on uh, a link that she put there. And, and frankly, all this link was, you know, she's got a link on her Twitter. All it is is a donation page. That's, that's it. It doesn't – it just – says, you know, Alyssa says, you know, Catalina allowed for Congress, fake Republican Adam 
Kinzinger won't pull, won't put America first. I will. That's why I'm challenging him for a seat in Congress. I'm a daughter of legal immigrants, a small business owner, and proudly served in the Trump administration. And we'll read more about her in a little bit. But and then she says, "Let's send Adam home." And then it's a donation page. That's it. That's the website. Um, so that's one thing I definitely would like to to, to talk to her about and say, "Well, it's great you're you know you see you're pro Trump and you know." Proud to serve them and proud daughter of legal immigrants, things of that nature. But, you know, if you only have 70 – and I know there's time, and I know sometimes I can be critical. And believe me, no one's a harsher critic than I am, but I'm, I, that goes to me as being a critic for myself as well. But when you're going to put up a website and all you're doing is asking for money, I don't know. That just, that just rubs it the wrong way. Oh, contribute. It's like, okay, you're running, and the only thing on your website that you have on your Twitter is – uh, donate to me. So, with that being said, let's go ahead and uh, and play that commercial, and maybe the, this commercial here will help her redeem it a little bit, at least for me. Um, but again, I, uh, you know, I, ho- I hope we'll see, see see more from a website than that. But here. Okay, it's not playing any volume. Let's try this again. Well, that's disconcerting. It's got the words. So let me see if I can get. Uh, <laughs> let me see if I can get that rolling. Uh, but let's go ahead and bring in. Uh, yeah, it's, I got my the, the speaker on and it's speaker on, but it's not. I think I have a way yeah. I can play it. I think you may be able to hear it. Hold on one second. Tell me if you can. Okay. I'll give this a go. Hold on one second. Tell me if you could hear it. Tell me if it's good or not. I'm going to attempt to do it this way. Hold on one second. Hold on. Which one is probiotic? Okay. Let me know if you hear it. Yeah, I heard that. Okay, I'm going to put it. Cleaver in the American motto, United We Stand, Divided People. And we need to be united now more than ever. I never thought I'd primary a fellow Republican. But is Congressman Adam Kinzinger really a Republican anymore? He isn't, and we have the proof. The reality is a majority of our party is united around the America First movement. My name is Catalina Lau, and this is Adam Kinzinger, a weak-kneed establishment Republican who cares more about his next MSNBC appearance than the voters who elected him. Not grounded in our home of Illinois. He looks for fame instead of remembering who he works for and the voters who elected him. This is a reality for Adam. One out of every three votes he casts in Congress is with Nancy Pelosi. Instead of focusing on what really matters, instead of being in our fight, Adam betrayed his constituents for a life in the D.C. swamp. Kinsinger is one of 10 Republicans who voted with Democrats to move forward with a phony impeachment hope for a president who has already left office. He said impeachment was necessary to save America. What? You know what I think is necessary to save America, Adam? Setting term limits to get people like you and the rest of your friends out. Six terms in Congress is enough. During a time when the division in America is already out of control, people like Adam Kinzinger further fan flame by dividing our party. Social media censorship, election integrity, freedom of speech, 
gun rights, illegal immigration, keeping the economy going. These are issues regular Americans like you and I care about in our country right now. Weak Republicans are the reason why the Democratic Party is turning our country into their socialist utopia right before our eyes, and they're getting away with it. I'm here to draw a hard line. No more voting for politicians who neglect we the people after they move to Washington to play with the big guys. I know where I came from. I'm the daughter of a legal immigrant who moved to Illinois to pursue the American dream and a small business owner. That's why I love this country, and it's why I'm not afraid to fight for it. It gave my family opportunity, and I want to make sure your children and your grandchildren have a shot at the American dream, too. That's why we must preserve what makes America great. I'm Catalina Lau, and I'm challenging Adam Kinzinger for his seat in Congress because I care about America's future. I care about the future of the Republican Party, our values of free enterprise, our God-given individual liberties, and law and order. It's our party now, it's our movement, and it's America first. Thank you. Well, I appreciate that. Um, yeah, I appreciate that. Now, we got you know, somebody in the chat, you can't steal my freedom. Now, why it has got Biden's face on there? It says you can't steal my freedom here in the chat. Uh, does he agree on the term limits so that people should be uh, more of a decision that determines the official length as it's supposed to be? And I, I like that. You know, the, the more we can vote for something, I, I, I used to believe when I was younger, oh, man, to make direct democracy would be great. Well, it would be too untenable, unfortunately. Um, but be that as may, I'd like to see us vote for as many things as, as we possibly can. And for us to vote on – you know how long a Supreme Court justice should should sit on the bench? I, I think that's a, I think that's a good idea. Um, but Joseph, uh, you uh, you brought the, the clip on again. Thank you. Uh, give me your thoughts on, on that and her, and then we'll bring over. Uh, we'll open up the mic for Suzette. Go ahead. Uh, no, you're welcome. I'll just give you some brief thoughts. Um, I honestly uh, agree 100% with what you're saying. Uh, I think it's time that we introduce term limits on SCOTUS. I don't think it's radical at all. Uh, in our over 200 years of history, if uh, you, historians who have studied you, our American history, there have been more negative precedents that have been set than there have been positives. And in my opinion, whenever the cons outweigh the pros, that is a losing equation. And unfortunately, uh, in, in the history of our constitutional republic, there have been more cons that have outweighed the pros when it comes to Supreme Court justices, which warrant the uh, subject of starting to have the dialogue of putting and imposing term limits, or as you said, a tenure, on SCOTUS. Because it's clear that there are many factors as to why they fail the American people, but one of them is you're right, Robert. You have to have a thick skin. You have to have a bulletproof vest. You have to have uh, all of these qualities to be able to uh, you know, be an effective Supreme Court justice. And if you can't take the heat, get out of the kitchen. And the problem is you have all these Supreme Court justice nominees. They do a great con job. No, no, actually, they should be awarded the Oscars. 
because they do a wonderful job of deceiving the American people. They do a wonderful job of deceiving the president at the time that, uh, you know, votes to appoint them of making him believe that they're going to be this constitutional scholars, that they have an understanding of the Constitution, but that they are going to, if you appoint them to the Supreme Court, they will, they will follow the constitutional guidelines as the framers intended them to do so. Our history has shown that's not the case. That's not, that's not the case whatsoever, so they're not working for the American people. It's time we have term limits. And on the last thing, uh, I agree with you uh, on Catalina. I think she has a really positive message, but um, I think before a candidate is going to run, you have to be 100% prepared to launch a viable campaign. And how do you do that when you uh, go to her Twitter page and she doesn't even have a website? So, you know, at the end of the day, if we really want to primary these rhinos, we have to wage – these candidates have to wage serious, viable campaigns. And a, a candidate or a campaign not even having a, a website is kind of like uh, your car – not having any gasoline whatsoever. It just doesn't run. Uh, and, and that's all I have to say on, on those matters for now. And I, I defer back to you, Robert. Okay. And, yeah, so hopefully we'll see, you know, hear more about her. I mean, we, we do have, um, stated earlier, uh, I guess that we're hoping to have on, maybe not next, not next week, but maybe the week after that, going to, Make a schedule with Jack Lombardi. He also is going to be running against King Inger. And uh, I've got an article here that I'm going to refer to uh, about King Inger. Uh, but first, let's go ahead and uh, bring in Suzette. Uh, thank you very much, Suzette, for coming to the show. How are you tonight? I will. Thank you. Hello, Joseph. Hello, Robert. Hi, Suzette. So I've been listening the to the. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, is there somebody else on? I just come tuned in. No, so I'm three. The Gleesome threesome. No, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> okay, hello to, to whoever I missed. It never, it never works. When <laughs> I try to be funny, it seems like to go over like a lead balloon, but go ahead. Okay. You mean the lamppost. I forgot about the lamppost. Hello, lamppost. <laughs> so, anyway. Um, so, yeah, the commercial I heard, and, and then I'm hearing you and Joseph talk about the Supreme Court and uh, term limits. So, Yes, that would be a good idea. Um, originally, of course, it was so this way they would not be influenced by the public, as you were discussing. Um, and there's supposed to be a equal, equal but separate branch, you know, of the government. Uh, but they've they've gotten too political. I, I think that the court shouldn't, as we hear reported, lean left or lean right. They should just rule or or decide based on the Constitution, and that's it. Not left or right. There isn't any left of the Constitution or right of the Constitution. It's just the Constitution. And so that really ticks me off when I hear that. And, you know, that they're basing the judges of where they came from, um, the Federalist, or that's right-leaning or whatever. Anyway, so, yes, I agree term limits. As far as the woman that we heard, the commercial, um, she didn't do it for me. 
she said everything that people, what she thinks people would like to hear because it sounds good, it feels good. But there was no substance to her commercial other than Adam Kinsinger bad, but for me good. I share your values, he doesn't. Okay, so what are you going to do when you get to Congress? I mean, are we going to work towards, you know, not having a whole lot of laws passed? Are you going to work? You know, what are you going to do? <laughs> I don't want to hear, you know, how great everything is that you support this and you support that. Uh, that's great. And Adam King saying you're bad. They all say those things. Tell me something different. And if you don't have a website that we can go to to get to know you, as you both gentlemen were saying, well, then you don't have my vote. I need to know who you are, what you've done, you know, in the past and future as far as political activism, if you were involved in that, um, you know, just different stance that you may have taken, you know, in public, public stances, things like that to show me who you are. Because other than that, you're just telling me all these feel-good words that um, used to work as far as getting elected. But other than that, you, you've given me nothing, nothing of substance. You've just given me lip service. Anyway, back to you. Well, and, and, and as I said, you know, before, I mean, it is early. Uh, now, you, you know, that is early, so maybe she'll develop one, but maybe she's waiting for funds from, you know, her donations. Now, I can tell you this, though. For running my own website for the past decade uh, for Bard's Logic, or almost, not quite a decade. It'll be a decade next year. Um, so about not it'll be nine years this year, I think it's June or July. But anyway, it's not that expensive. Now, it does cost money. I can't say it doesn't. But someone who's as middle class as middle class gets, and for someone who's worked for the Trump administration, which I can probably guarantee that she makes a lot more money than I do, <laughs> then I'm sure she can afford to do a website. I mean, my website, you know, it's yeah, it's a, it does its job, and I think the, where the way I, where I do my the website has enough to it where you can you can make a nice website for a political campaign. I mean, I, you do. I sure. mean, there's, there's way you could donate. There's you know, there's plenty. So she, I mean, so I, I'm just saying, if you're going to say I'm going to run for Congress, get something up there. As I said, now, truth be told, if the primary is done was tomorrow and Kingsinger was up there. And she was up there. She'd get my vote. I mean, I'm just being honest with you. I wouldn't vote for that guy for, you know, uh, you know, if there was a choice. And if there wasn't a choice, I probably wouldn't vote at all. Um, so my well, opinion, Robert, you know, even his – go ahead. No, I'm so okay. sorry. I'm so sorry. No, go ahead, say, even his family help. denounced him over his, over his impeachment vote, through my understanding yeah. of it. Mm-hmm. But we could just be exchanging one rhino for the other and choosing again one lesser of the two evils. You know, like you were saying, you can even have free websites of the basic basics and have it free and basically explain a little bit about yourself. And, you know, the donations would help, you know, further that website along and, you know, start working that campaign that way. Get people excited about you, letting them know, hey, I'm coming from the basics here or something, you know. And, and, um, and if I, if, and if I could say something. Um, I, 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 uh, the reason why I brought the clip was, um, I brought up the clip because I just wanted to, you know, uh, give an example of how contentious, uh, these primaries are going to be, but, oh, yeah. uh, I agree with Suzette a hundred percent. And, and here's where Catalina uh, goes wrong. And here's where any candidate is going to go wrong. 
you have to set the right tone from day one. This is not a this is not a fishing uh, experiment. This is not a, a workout tryout. The message has to be right because that message is the first perception or is the first impression that she's going to give anyone who wants to support a challenger, primary, and Kissinger. And you know how they say first impressions are everything. It just takes the wrong first impression for someone to say, nah, I'm not digging the message. Goodbye, good luck. And that's it. You don't get another shot at this. And that's why I emphasize to candidates, do it right. Do it right from the beginning. But for the love of God, you have to be authentic. You have to stand as your own man or as your own female. Tired of hearing candidates just repeat boiling points. If we want to hear that, we could just go on to Fox, MSNBC, and CNN. Although, Lord hang me if I have to go to MSNBC or CNN. I'd rather go to Fox, the lesser of the two evils, or three evils. But, yeah, I mean, really. no, so that is, is spot on. The message has to be right from the get-go. There's no such thing as starting the campaign on the wrong foot and then you pivot in the middle. It's either right from the beginning to the middle to the end, or you're not going to get across that line. If you study mm-hmm. successful politicians who've been in power for a long time or who got elected, well, they got elected because the message was right from the beginning. And classic example is Donald J. Trump. Everyone wants to be the next Trump, and that's the problem. When Donald J. Trump ran in 2015, he wasn't running to be the next somebody else. He was running as his own man. And that's why he was successful. And he embraced that. And he was proud of, uh, of him being authentic and him being different and him having a very unconventional style. So I agree 100% with Suzette. Um, you know, it has to be right from the beginning because right now Suzette is an example. Suzette, your first impression of Catalina, and it's already thumbs down, and that's going to be the problem. If the messaging is not right, the majority of the people are going to read that, and they're just going to say, nah. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not digging it, and they're going to move on. And that's why I emphasize it has to be right. It has to be authentic. And for the love of God, no more boiling points. We have CNN and MSNBC for that. And I will defer back to you, Suzette and Robert. Well, I mean, and I understand having to make money. I mean, I get that. So, I mean, by me saying the, the website, I mean, Kensington already has, you know, a pack. And, and he has the audacity calling it the country first pack, which he started in January, the, um, the challenge to Republicans uh, that are still aligned with, with Trump. And so he started his own pack. So, I mean, again, and that's why I say we, we, need, we do need to support them financially early. It's just if we're going to do it early, don't, just, don't only just have, hey, donate to me. And, you know, I'll, I'll tell you a story. And, 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 and this ain't toot my own horn or this or that, but I'm going to tell you a story on, on how I am with that stuff. And when I was younger, uh, I used to be uh, a very giving person, right? I mean, I used to, like, give the, you know, people on the street and this time all the time and blah, 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 you know. And I'll be honest with you, I mean, because, you know, I'm not all the way an open book, but a lot of me is. 
I used to be, I mean, back when I was a religious guy, <laughs> when I was younger, um, I used to give money away, you know, charities, you know, these other things and what have you, and uh, people on the street. And um, when that started fading, I guess my, my charity faded as well. But, um, but I, and because I had this one lady one time where she asked me for food, I mean, she asked me for money. I said, well, I'll tell you what, I'm heading to give me some breakfast. I'll, um, you know, I'll, I'll get you something while I'm in there. So I go into an Arby's, right? And I get breakfast for me and I get breakfast for her. Well, I open up the bag to get hers out. And, you know, she just reached right into the bag and just touched over all the food, including mine. So I gave her the entire bag of food. And I'll tell you what, folks, that's the last time I ever, well, I can't, I've done it since then. But it was years, I mean, decades before I've ever did that again, where I went and bought food for somebody like that and then gave it to them. I didn't do that for literally decades. And then, again, for years I didn't – I don't uh, – uh, I, I just don't give to the people on the streets and stuff like that, you know. But anyway, uh, I just I just generally don't. Now, one of the things to pet peeve of mine is, is you see the people on the corners, the homeless people on the corners, that say, basically, da-da-da-da, help me, God bless. That is a pet peeve of mine. Pet peeve of mine is like, oh, God bless. So I, I don't like people using other people's religiosity to try to get money out of them. Total pet peeve of mine. Oh, someone's religious. Maybe they'll give me money. Uh, so that whole God bless thing just totally throws me off. But some months ago, I seen a guy, a homeless guy, and you knew he had troubles because just by the way he walked. And, and every time you see him, he's like that. And, again, I, it was still – I mean it's been years since I gave anybody money. And, and there is a point to this with what you said, uh, Joseph, and it's about messaging. And that's why I brought up, oh, homeless or even vet, you know, please help, God bless. That was their messaging, which basically is practically every person on, that you see on the corner with the homeless sign. That's what they said. But there was a guy who, and again, I, I know he was, if not homeless, I know he was, you know, he had some physical ailments because, you know, the way his leg is lost. But he had a sign that really struck me, and it hit home to me. And his sign simply said, homeless, not hopeless. That's all it said. Homeless, not hopeless. And, I, you know, I was in this car with my daughter, and I, you know, I'm driving down the street, and I rarely ever carry cash either. Rarely ever carry cash. Yeah, but this time I did. That's when my daughter said, you know, I'm going to swing, swing around and give this guy some money. You know, I got to give him like 50 bucks. And because, uh, I mean, because it was like, wow, here this guy is, you know, obviously hopeless, homeless, obviously got, you know, has this, this, this health ailment. And, and then just a simple sign, as you said, Joseph, messaging. His message was, you know what, I'm, I'm out here. I know I'm homeless, but, you know, I got hope that things are going to get better. And in my mind, hopefully that money, you know, hopefully the, the, the money that, uh, you know, I gave him would uh, – and actually shortly afterwards, you know, those, those um, things that, hold, that people hold on to, they got the wheels and the little platform where they can, like, sit down on. You ever see those? Well, shortly afterwards, I seen him have one of those. So I'm thinking that did help. But the point is – the point isn't not me helping someone. That's not the point at all. Uh, the point is, is, it's about, as you said, you know, Joseph, it's the messaging. He had a message, and also 
he had a message, and this is what you, you know what you were kind of pointing out to uh, Suzette is he had a message that no one else had. All these other people were like, "Oh, God bless," but his wasn't. His was unique. I've never, and all the time I've seen people on the corners asking for money. I've never seen a sign where it said, "I'm homeless but not hopeless," and that did that struck a chord with me. And I said, "You know what? I'm gonna." <laughs> No, but anyway, you're right. It is about messaging. Um, and so, let's see. So, I mean, you now one of the pluses I think that's going to go for her. I mean, I think when it comes to a prime, now it's not about oh, Guatemala. I hate when they put it. Oh, she's like Guatemala, and this is uh, on the um, the article. Is oh, Guatemalan American? Can we stop at that shit? Excuse my French on my show, but not. Uh, we don't have to worry about the FCC. So, seriously, can we stop at that shit. Guatemalan American, who gives a flying, you know what? I don't care that she's a Guatemalan American. I could care less. I'm so sick. I'm so sick of that. I don't care what what I don't care what their descent is. You know, I just want to know what the hell she's gonna do, you know, so that I can live my life. <laughs> you know, just stay up, keep the government off my back. Um, you know, you know, do something that's actually going to promote and um and make make it more better for me to try to make things prosperous for me and my family and my country. So, but anyway, um, I think one thing that will actually help her in a primary is she, she actually did, you know, work for Trump. I mean, she was an advisor uh, to Trump. So I think that would actually help. Now, you know, me, I'm more in alliance with, Hey, you know, yeah, it's great that she helped, you know, she's worked for Trump. But then again, you know, I'd like to see someone, you know, you know, grassroots. And again, I don't know much about um, about the guests we're looking to have on in the next couple of weeks. I don't know a lot about uh, about them yet. I mean, I just seen some tweets and things of that nature. We haven't had them on. And again, I'm working on uh, having a Jack Lombardi on uh, in a couple of weeks. I'm going to reach back. I think he's on vacation because he said he's going to Florida. And if you live in Illinois. And you're going to Florida for a week. You're probably in, fe- in February. You're probably going on vacation. <laughs> At least that ain't what he said. But that's just my guess. Somebody's like, I'm gonna be in Florida next week. Uh, you know, let, let's you know schedule something. You get together afterwards or schedule something or talk whatever. And uh, so that's my guess. But anyway, so you know, let's go ahead and uh, we got go ahead. I was just gonna say, um, as far as her working for Trump as an advisor. How long did she work for Trump on the campaign? Because he had a lot of different people, you know, in and out as far as advising and not advising. And there were periods during the campaign when he was following his advisor's words or advice and um, and not being himself. And that started to affect his numbers And because he was saying what they wanted him to do and say versus being himself at the podium during the rallies. And when he stopped listening to them, his numbers started going up again because he was, you know, being authentic. So right. I'm curious as to how long she worked and what type of advising she did for him. Was she part of that group or not? I'm just very suspicious, you know, these days because of um, the Democrats that, you know, like to work the game. And so she could have been advising for maybe a, a month or less or more. So anyway. Yeah. Thank you. And you know what, Suzette, if we are able, if we are able to get her on the show, um, so, again, if, if you're out there and you're a Twitter user, at her, at Catalina, that's, that's the only con- – so that's what I was hoping to find when I went to her website is, 
more, you know, about actual issues as well. But also I was looking for some contact information, you know, hey, media contact, you know, because sometimes they'll have a media page where, you know, media folks, and in a way we are the media, right? Um, so how to contact them. If she didn't have anything on that link she has on Twitter, there wasn't anything for me to contact her. So the only way to do that is if you are on Twitter, you know, send her, a, you know, a tweet. You know, say, hey, we'd like to have you on Bard's Logic. And she might be like, yeah, what's Bard's Logic? So when I finally do uh, able to reach out to her, it'll already be in her head like, oh, okay. I've heard about that before. Um, and so you mean more yeah. of a motivation to get her on. That would be a great question. I think that would be a great question for you. Like, well, how long did you work? I mean, we, we might be able to research it, but it's better coming from them. You know, uh, how long did you work for Trump? What, what type of advice did you give him while he was an advisor? Right. Or while you were an advisor to him. Mm-hmm. So I'll reach out to her director. Go, uh, go ahead. I was saying I'll Twitter her, I'll tweet her, and tell her to um, about Bard's Logic and to reach out. No, yeah, sounds great. No, I appreciate it. Yeah, definitely. Definitely do that. And then, yeah, so when I reach out and – uh, then she'll she'll get multiple uh, multiple uh, messages, so that'd be great. Multiple tweets, and so let's go ahead and bring in Kelly. And then uh, thank you very much, Kelly, for coming to the show. Uh, how are you guys? And then and one thing I want to bring up because uh, uh, yeah, I know you guys missed uh, you know last week's episode was our tribute to Rush Limbaugh. Um, you know, so if you guys want to make some comments later on, on that, that's fine. But but anyway, Kelly, uh, for for what we're talking about now. Uh, again, thank you for coming in. How are you tonight? Oh, it's really cold here in Northern California. I'm about a half hour from the Oregon border, and uh, you know, if it gets really, really cold, I'm going I'm to blame it on uh, Biden. You know, I guess that's the style of things these days. But uh, you anyway, blame it on uh, Trump. <laughs> yeah, blame everything on Trump. Even the European uh, virus, uh, Corona. Europe, Trump's fault, whatever. Anyway, um, yeah, so you can talk about the homeless a little bit. You know, I've helped the homeless for years. And some of them, well, some of them can be helped, put some hope in their lives. Uh, we've seen people get on their feet. Um, the people, the homeless that have uh, girlfriends, boyfriend, girlfriend, or husband, wife, they get on their feet a lot faster. And then there are some people that are just plain animals. We've had to kick out a lot of, I mean, the Christians in Wairika, it's amazing how they've helped with the homeless. But uh, at times, man, our our 86 list is longer than most bars. Uh, we've had to call the cops a few times. and One guy yelled in an axe. And wow. Some of the homeless are, yeah, some of the homeless are, are <laughs> Was is yeah? Was he a Viking? <laughs> some some oh, are decent and okay, respectful. I, well, what, uh, I got a. I have to read this because it's it's incredibly accurate and incredibly funny. Okay, I have to do it before I, the message goes away. Okay, and since we aren't regulated by the FCC, I can say this. And this is me reading someone's tweet on Twitter, and this is absolutely hilarious and absolutely true at the same time. And then we'll go to your thing, Kelly. I'm sorry for interrupting, but I just I just have to get this out. And this lady states, she asked, this has an F-bomb in it. We normally don't do F-bombs, but I'm just reading her comment. But it brings uh, truism, 
I know it's not really a word, to what they're saying, but she, she asked this. I just had to bring it up. She said, how the fuck did a generation raised on South Park and Family Guy become so offended by everything? <laughs> anyway, I had to get that out because That's it's right. so true. It's like, yeah, these, these, these people are brought up on that stuff and yet everything offends them. <laughs> Go ahead, Kelly. Yep. I'm sorry. I had to get that out. <laughs> Well, that's a very deep philosophical question. I have no idea about that. <laughs> but, but anyway, yeah, so some of the homeless are decent, respectful. Some of them are just plain animals. And if a person was willing and they wanted to help the homeless, uh, well, we have so many in California, it's ridiculous. But um, basically, um, you could spend all your waking hours, and you could pull all-nighters, and you'd be financially drained. The need is that bad. And so, yeah, it's uh, the cost of housing in California is skyrocketing more and more. And we're going to see a lot more homeless. I guess uh, Chico, which is northeast of Sacramento, is going to, oh, they're going to have some kind of dormitory kind of thingies with the ocean-going containers. It's like, really, if you can get a permit for that. But, you know, they're going to spend buku bucks. And... The only people allowed to be those who aren't doing drugs, because uh, I had a buddy, mining partner, he hadn't been in Wairika in a while, he lives out in the country. Like, what's all those homeless tents everywhere? And uh, another mining partner, we did some mining stuff this week, we had lunch afterwards in a park. And there they are at the east side of the park, and then up on the hills, and and on our way here, there was a big, uh, not big, but for here, it's big bunch of tents. He goes, what's up with all this stuff? And the other man goes, yeah, I go hiking up there. And you, people find needles and piles of needles. And uh, How about this plan? You're not getting free housing unless you're off drugs or you're in a rehab program. I mean, you know, it, it, I'm sounding, sounding a little bit cruel here, but again, I help the homeless. And if they don't want to help, you're wasting your time. Of course, there's the classic uh, sign that gets a lot of money. Um, I won't lie. I want a beer. <laughs> you know, people laugh and they donate. But, yeah, it, it's not an easy problem to solve. So, anyway, that's just kind of a thing about the homeless. You, 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 when you start working with them long term, you start getting a thick skin. And one of the first things you're, you ask yourself is, are they lying? Are they lying? Because they lie straight in your face. Because these people, they have figured out how to survive. Miss um, S, I'll just call her Miss S. She's about five foot. I let her sleep in my truck because it was our doors were closed at the shelter. She kept banging on the doors. It's like ten o'clock, lady. We close at eight. You know this, okay? You've been here before. Well, yeah. Blah, blah, blah. Okay, fine. I'll let you sleep in my truck. Then she identified my truck. And she starts coming over to my place where I live. And that night she knocked on my door fucking one in the morning. I'm like, okay, okay, I, I, look, I told you, I, this, this, no, this is ridiculous. Goodbye. <clears throat> yeah, close the door. I was asleep on the couch. I was asleep watching TV. But I'm like, how in the world does she survive? She's a skinny thing. And other people knew her. Some people grew up with her. And, uh, you know, she hasn't lost her mind as bad as some of the others. Some people are going around with bad drugs where they're cutting them. Suddenly they throw like Drano or sugar or whatever and just fries their mind. It's not the drugs per se. It's the bad stuff they put in. And some of these people are like, oh, my God. And when we were at the picnic table and the 
my the two mining buddies, they they, they recognized the girl. Well, one of them did. Like, oh my gosh, that's so bad. The girl had just lost her mind from all these bad drugs. And uh, so yeah, it gets sad, and you got to reach a point where you know what? I got to have a thick skin and only help the people who really want to get out of that scenario. It is a challenging thing. And you know what? The government can throw all the money they want at it, and it's not going to solve the problem. Money doesn't solve the problem. Seattle's got a good program where they're getting people that want help, want to change. Um, They get them into rehab, and then they have to take pills so that the opium addiction is managed in their life. And so Seattle is actually having quite a bit of success with um, the treatment. And the, and, the, and the rehab programs, people are getting reunited with their families or getting uh, a long-term solution figured out. Of course, that does take, take some government money. But if we just blindly, you know, and it, and it leads into other issues of social welfare and, and food stamps and things. Yes, I get it when people are having tough times, but you just can't throw money at a problem because government really can't provide the hope. That's what we call the homeless shelter here in Marika, beacon of hope. It's people don't have hope. And we've seen people die in the woods. A couple of people died this year just in the elements and how cold it is. But it's just like you, you, government, a, a minuscule bit of hope. But the personal touch, it's somebody caring. It's other people coming around. It's family. I helped a guy get up to Montana with his family. He was going to die if he didn't. His mother called his sister. His sister came up from Texas, came through Vegas, Reno, and up here, picked him up, took him to uh, Sydney, Australia, or no, Sydney, Sydney, Montana, actually Culberson, but anyway, you know, so family is really good for giving hope and help, and even give them a swift kick in the ass if they need it, and he's called me, he's very, very, very thankful, he's got hope, he's excited about life, there you go, government can't bring the level of hope necessary for people to get back up on their feet. And it's a sad reality. You have to accept that with this guy, I was accepting he was going to die. And I was doing this and that and helping him here and there and stuff like that. I was sleeping in the back of my camper shell a few times. But, you know, government can't give the hope necessary to solve the problem. That's, you know, so that that leads into other Social issues and handouts and da 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 da. And the middle class not happy about that. But anyway, I just I just wanted to throw that out once once you were going off you know, discussing the, the homeless. So I'll turn it back to you now. Yeah, I didn't mean to. Uh, no, appreciate it. I, I didn't mean to meet, uh, bring things. Uh, uh, you know, just what am I trying to say? You know, go off on a tangent. <laughs> Sorry about that. Yeah, I didn't mean to. Uh, uh, move in a different direction, but yeah, that's <laughs> yeah, I appreciate it. But that happens here. Oh, oh, okay. One of the things I want to yeah. can I can I throw yeah, one thing you want to bring it back to is um, you know with the uh, with the the SCOTUS right, and yeah, yeah, and I want to get your yeah, I want to get your 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 take on that. You know, because we didn't hear uh, I want to hear your take on it with you know what SCOTUS just did. Well, namely, you know. We have to expect what happened with SCOTUS, you know, with John Roberts. I mean, we have to, and then the other liberals. I mean, that's not the surprise. The part that really ticks me off is Comey, A.B. Barrett, and Kavanaugh. 
I mean, what the hell was going on with them? And I don't want to hear the excuse, oh, we didn't want to be seen as, as Trump's puppet. And it, and it was a moot point because he was inaugurated. Yeah, but this, this could put, uh, play out for future elections as well. So uh, on their decision, and, and they're not even giving us, you know, giving us real reasons as to why they didn't. And I'm going to get the uh, – I got an article here I'm going to, I'm going to read p- partially through. Uh, but go ahead, Kelly. I'd like to get your take on that. Well, I was uh, I was working quite a bit on a proposal today, engineering proposal, and, and um, it's a chunk of work. But I, you're going to have to fill me in. And I came I came in late on the show. Sorry about that. But kind of fill me in. Did SCOTUS not take up the Sidney Powell case regarding election fraud? Is that what happened? Right. Yeah. Well, I knew they were going to decide whether they're going to take up the case or not. So I guess I just found out that the Supreme Court says, no, we're just not going to take the case. That's what happened? Pretty much, yep. Well, the Supreme Court can do whatever the heck they want. That's their right. Okay? It's just the way it is, frustrating as can be. Was it A, Sidney Powell didn't have enough evidence, didn't present her case very well? I doubt it. But was there something missing in her in her pleadings, her legal papers and attachments of evidence? Was it – I'm trying to be fair to the Supreme Court. Or was it that the Supreme Court just didn't want to hear it because they said, oh, it's a political matter? You know, Because they've done that before. Oh, it's a political matter. You know, that's a nice little BS way to – Avoid ruling on something. So, yeah, no, I'm, I'm in general at first hearing this. I'm, I'm not happy. He's not happy that SCOTUS won't hear and probably won't hear any more cases on the 2020 election and the problems therein. So, yeah, um, not, not happy. So, we go back. This should go back to state court, state by state. Does um, Linwood and others, uh, Rudy Giuliani, do they do they go back to the state courts again? What? How do we get this fixed? Do we go county by county where the elections are run? But you still have to change the state legislature. Uh, HR one's coming up, which is what mail-in votes forever, which that'll be a disaster. Um, yeah, no, not not. I'd, I'd have to look more into. The, did they even write a memo, or they just take a vote and not write anything and say, "No, we're not going to take case." Is, is that what happened? Or did they, well, did yeah, they, 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 they Well, yeah, they didn't make. They didn't give really really comments. I mean, you could go through the, uh, you know, you could go through the case and see where you know they're talking about it being a moot, you know, basically moot uh, to do that. But here's the comments from Justice uh, – this is the ending comment from Justice Thomas's dissent. It says, uh, one wonder – this is the end. I mean, there's more legalese, you know, you know in, in the pre, you know, previous statements from him. But basically in closing, you know, he put, one wonders what this court waits for. We failed to settle this dispute before the election and thus provide clear rules. Now we again fail to provide clear rules for future elections. The decision to leave election law hidden beneath a shroud of doubt is baffling. 
By doing nothing, we invite further confusion and erosion of voter confidence. Our fellow citizens deserve better and expect more of us. I respectfully dissent. You know, and of course, then there's you know more again prior to that because it's case you know talk about case law and and things of that nature. But yeah, but that, that I mean, yes, yeah, seriously. My point is, is if it's not going to show anything. You know, what, what do you got to hide? What are you trying to hide by not looking at it? What do you got to hide by not telling us, you know, really saying out to the, the public why? I'm, I'm scratching my head. Um, but there's, here's something interesting about the time frame. It has to do with the 20th Amendment. Okay. Uh I'm trying to find out when the 20th was passed. I'm in my truck right now. Um, but before the 20th, okay. Here it is, okay. See, the 20th Amendment made the term of the president start noon on the 20th of January, okay? And before that, it was uh, March 4th is when the presidential uh, – president uh, when the president's term began. It was March Fourth. This was adopted January twenty third of nineteen thirty three. Now, had there been more time, March fourth versus January third, that's two more months. That's two more months that they would have had. Because oh wait, the, the states wrote statutes that said that election uh, lawsuits take priority all over all other lawsuits. Well. Yeah, when you bump things up two months. Um, so that was kind of a strange thing that happened. They had kind of a mix of good and bad in the 20th Amendment. The bad, obviously, is is March 20th, which went to the 6th. Um, March, uh, January 6th were Congress to certify the election for the Electoral College. Somebody studied. Somebody had a strategy of some kind. That because of the lack of time, investigators couldn't get enough evidence. Attorneys couldn't prepare fast enough. It's like a tidal wave coming in, and you're trying to stop it with buckets. I mean, this isn't going to work. So we got to revisit that somehow to lengthen that time. Otherwise, if you're practicing the cheating and you're getting good at it, more people are going to get at it. So they're going to get good at it. They're going to do it again and again more efficiently. You know, uh, it's like when I do an engineering project. I do the same, uh, a similar project. I'm a lot more quicker at it. Of course, that's honest work. You know, um, when you become a professional, you do things a lot faster than when you first started. So with election and their system and the players and no accountability, they're going to do it more and more unless the states or the state legislatures step in. Otherwise, we, we uh, I don't want to say kiss this country goodbye, but, you know, California, we're going to vote by mail. Uh, California, Washington, Oregon, Colorado. Guess what? Vote by mail. Guess what? Democrats. Democrat-controlled state. Was this an accident? I mean, if you really believe in, in – uh, the principles of the Democratic Party, or and combine that with socialism, Saul Alinsky, 
the ends justifies the means and his book rules for radicals. So, you know, you had, you had uh, Stalin, Lenin, you had all Marxist thinking, but then uh, Sololinsky explained how to, how to practically do it and get it more and get it implemented. Um, so the ends justify the means, really? So our ideals are so good that we should, we don't have to worry about convincing the American people. We just cheat and do it. Well, if your ideals are so good on their own merit, then you shouldn't have to cheat. What's that tell you? It's so frustrating. I'm, I'm just venting a little more, but you know. So what, what was what was what was uh, what was out of nine justices? Was it a five four? Or was it a a three six? It, it doesn't really say because they were saying it only takes four justices. But I'm I'm looking through the file now. And, you know, there's something, oh, well, this, this justice didn't have anything to do with this, and, and that justice didn't have, you know, so I'm looking, yeah, I'm looking through that. I'm looking through it now, and it's, unfortunately, it's not giving me a lot, of, a lot of stuff. It's a lot of legalese stuff that I'm sure, Kelly, that you, uh, you would understand, to be honest, more than I <laughs> But Well, I, I'd have to study more, but there is a – let me look it up right now. There was a changing well, yeah. of the guard, you know. Do you know there's a 10th Supreme Court justice? There's a what? It's actually there is a 10th Supreme Court justice. Well, that's a nickname for the Solicitor General. Okay? The Solicitor General um, determines which cases go to the Supreme Court, which cases don't. And if he's under consideration of it, He can present it, but present it in such a way that the um, that the justices won't take it. So he's like a filter. Now Justice Roberts did kind of change things to let them consider every case, but the Solicitor General still has influence. And I'm looking it up to see, but we may have a new Solicitor General under Biden. Yes. Okay. Um, I want to see who the present solicitor general is because t- the president appoints him. The president appoints him. So, if I have, have the information right, if, let's see if he's a Trump holdover or if he's a new person. Um, I'm trying. To, I'll have to get back with you on that. But the attorney general, we have a new one. Uh, Monty Wilkinson. The Attorney General was, of course, Bob Barr, and then it was Rosen. He quit at noon on the 20th, and then in came uh, Monty Wilkinson, who Biden appointed immediately. So I'm going to guess that the. Um, I'll have to look it up and get back to you. I'm trying to find it now. Um, he was a deputy. Neil Cat, y'all, was the. Deputy Solicitor General of the United States, and I'm, I wonder if Biden kept him in or if uh, – oh, he's a Democrat. What do you know? I'm trying to see if he got in office on uh, January 20th with Biden. So I'll, I'll get back to you on that, do some more research on this. Yeah, for this, um, you can you can look at the um, the exact court document here. Uh, it's a PDF. It's uh, the link is https 
colon backslash slash slash. So it's www.supremecourt.gov backslash orders backslash court orders backslash zero two 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 one zor underscore two cp three dot pdf. Okay. He also wrote a book, Impeach. This guy is Neil Katyal. He was a former principal deputy solicitor general. And it looks like he, well, I'll confirm this in a second. But he wrote a book called Impeach, The Case Against Donald Trump. He wrote that book. And if he is a solicitor general, it's another reason why SCOTUS wouldn't take the election fraud cases. So I'll get back to you on this. But gosh darn it. Gosh darn it, what was that? <laughs> well, it's, it's, I, I, I'm seeing bias already here. All right. Yeah, but I'll see who the new uh, solicitor general is, and I'll, I'll get back to you. Yeah, cer- uh, certainly do. And uh So again, you know, so not, 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 again, nothing's gonna that's gonna happen with this, uh, you know, with, the, with this election. And my concern is, you, you know, it's when it, when it's time to do voting again that they're just not gonna. I mean, they're successful once, uh, Kelly. I mean, what's gonna keep these people from being successful again and stealing it? Because I do. I think they stole the election. And what's gonna keep them from doing it again? Um. But I'm wondering. It'll take a while to figure this out. But how many people knew about uh, the Solicitor General? I would imagine not very many people. Oh, here we go. I got it. Elizabeth Pelager. So the previous gentleman. He was a deputy, which means he had influence as a Democrat. She has been serving in she, uh, Elizabeth Prelogar, has been serving in the role since January 20th, 2021. Hmm. So that's interesting. Let's find out more about Elizabeth Prelogar. Uh, we'll find out. I'm gonna I'm gonna guess that she is uh big time Democrat. And she'll serve that until uh the Senate appoints someone, it could be her. So yeah, that afternoon after Biden got in, he picked his solicitor general, the attorney general, and a number of other uh you know, I know there are other positions. Let's see. I'm trying to see. Yeah, so she may have had a great influence you know, whether to take these election fraud cases. Okay. Yeah, I don't think anything I don't think anything is gonna come from it. I mean I'm, 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 yeah. I was concerned about that a long time ago, but 
right. So it just, she... but now moving forward, I mean, and that's what the, and that's what like Alito and Thomas were talking about in their defense is, well, we got to get this fixed before the next election. I mean, and that's only seriously, that's only two years away. Actually, no, it's one year. It's next year. <laughs> yeah. So she. Well, I mean, it's a year in like eight months, but. Yeah, so pre-Loger, pre-Loger, she's a Harvard Law grad. She clerked for Attorney General nominee Merrick Bryan Garland in the Court of Appeals in the D.C. Circuit. Later, she clerked for U.S. Supreme Court Justices Ruth Bader Ginsburg and Alina Kagan. So what's that tell you about her political bias? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So another thing that's happening in states where there's election problems, for example, North North Carolina, we had David Getz on. He said it's interesting. There, the in the 2020 election, the Republicans got more seats in the state house legislature, both the Senate and uh, the House of Representatives, but. There's four positions that the Democrats held, which is really important uh, for accountability in any kind of election fraud. You have the governor, the attorney general, the secretary of state, and the state auditor, all retained by Democrats. So if there's election fraud going on, who's going to investigate it when you have these four people in a position – Even a a presidential pardon for election fraud. Yeah. And this has happened in a couple other states, too. You know, like this big big boondoggle. um, You know, there was was, uh, from southwest of the country all the way to Georgia. So you got Arizona, Nevada, Wisconsin, Michigan, Pennsylvania, and Georgia. All right. There was two Republicans as a secretary of state. This is Rats Singer, Rats, Rat, whatever. Georgia, he was Republican, but he was a not not so good. And then you had the Arizona Republican is the Secretary of State. Now they Arizona's still looking into things. Arizona legislature and the Secretary of State. Nevada, the Secretary of State, is a Democrat. Wisconsin Democrat, Michigan Democrat, Pennsylvania Democrat. Now a senator replacing Kamala Harris, he was the Secretary of State of California, big time Democrat. He was the one who did a special memo um, that poll workers couldn't help crossover voters. It's why Bernie Sanders lost. Explain another uh, – Greg Sintich, is that was his name? I saw him at a conference. But he, ex- he explained how Alex Padilla did a trick to basically hand California over to Clinton, plus a lot of electronic election fraud that we documented with the voter registration and other problems. Okay, so that position – Theoretically, Secretary of State, during the election season, the Secretary of State has enormous power because they can cheat and get their opponents out, and their friends in, like governor, attorney general, themselves the Secretary of State, state auditor, so there is no accountability for them rigging the election. This is why our Secretary of State elections are so important. Mark Mauser, we had him on the show. Mark was really good in the sense that he's an election law attorney. 
That's the kind of guy we need in California. Republican. Do you think he's going to get elected? No. Not with the system as it is now. Your county election clerk is, in your county, the most powerful person <clears throat> during election season because they can, again, cheat to get bad, uh, get their opponents out and get good people in. And then at the same time, when all this is happening, our elected officials, be it county supervisors or commissioners, be it state house legislators, they don't have a clue how elections run. So David Getz was mentioning on, on the show here. If you don't know how elections are running, how in the world are you going to pass uh, laws that require a transparent, clear, accountable, trackable election? How are you going to do that when your elected officials are clueless? It's it's pretty frightening how serious and how deep this is. Somebody somewhere probably has a master plan with a lot of money, and I'm scratching my head. So how are we going to investigate that now? And we've got a new attorney general that won't get evidence to a grand jury, a federal grand jury. Hmm, isn't that interesting? And we got problems. Houston, we got problems. Hopefully the states will step up and get it straightened out. Boy, I gotta you gotta stop me. Or I'm gonna keep ranting here. So <laughs> back to you. Oh no, no that's yeah, that that's quite all right, Kelly. Um, yeah, do we? What the heck? Oh, there we go. Uh, anywho, yeah. So one of the things I want to because we we missed you guys last week. It was it was just myself and. Uh, Joseph last week, and you know we 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 did our tribute here for uh, for Rush, and then you know, pretty much everyone on the show, whether listeners or or, or panelists, and I, I purposely didn't. Uh, and boy, I could I could tell. I per I, I uh, when I was looking at the numbers for last last week's show, I did it for a personal thing for myself, to be honest, really. So I really didn't promote it out like at all. Um, it's pretty much for my prosperity, so to speak. Um, you know, to have it. Uh, uh, later, you know, in honor of uh, of Rush Limbaugh, uh, so we really didn't promote it much. But I know it's you know you, you, everyone on this call, I'm sure, uh, you know, it's certainly uh, you know a lot of the folks, if not all the folks, listeners. Um, so I might just like to get your take, uh, Suzette, and then you, Kelly. Um, you know, kind of you know, since, since we missed our, our our you know honoring him last week. Uh, if you have any, you know, any thoughts that you'd like to partake with uh, your experience with, you know, listening to Rush. I mean, I'm presuming you guys did, but, you know, you know, just if you share your thoughts. Oh, okay. Well, um, yes, of course. Uh, well, I shouldn't say, of course, as you just said, not everybody may have listened to him, but people knew of him, and I did listen to him. Um, not so much uh, in the latter days, but uh, previously I used to be a, a real big fan. And not that that changed, it's just life changed. Anyway, um, so I look at him, you know, I don't mourn him. I celebrate him, celebrate his death, because without him, you know, a lot of things weren't possible as far as knowledge goes for the conservative uh, side of the country. And so, and because of him, we have more conservatives speaking out and, you know, um, sharing information and so forth and his political analysis um, was generally spot on, you know, for the most part. Um, 
He was charming. He was everything that we should strive to be and strive forward for. He laid the groundwork, and now it's up to us as conservatives, Americans, all Americans for that matter, to to carry the torch forward about free speech. You know, he was all for it, uh, never infringed upon it, and even enemies that he considered enemies um, would stand up for as far as for their right to free speech. And so... If anything, he left us a lot of important lessons that we need to carry on, and that would do him a great service and memorial. Back to you. Well, yeah, certainly, and that's and that's what I, you know, I stated last week uh, is that you know he carried the torch, and we we certainly need to to carry it as well. And I think the best way to honor him is just you know continue to fight. I mean, one thing I really wish is that you know. Because he did, I really do feel like he he purposely really hung on uh, the fight for you know Trump's reelection, and unfortunately it was it was stolen away from from all of us, in, including in, including Rush. Um, so we uh, you know we just gotta you know continue the fight, even though being a, it really is it really is against us. I mean, I seen an article today um, where now it, 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 it sounds like the Democrats are kind of coming you know going after the military. See, and all there's all kinds of white supremacists in the military, and my thought on that is, is you know they've inf- they infiltrated our schools, they've infiltrated our election systems, uh, they infiltrated big tech and a lot of businesses. So I think uh, now what the uh, you know the left and, and their sycophants in the media are, are, are doing, trying to do with them at the military, is I think they need to uh, degrade the military because I think at this point. It may very well be that the military is actually our last best chance of our republic surviving uh, because there's no other recourse we've got. I mean, I, you know, I'm on social media not because I'll be honest, not because I like to. I'll be honest with you, I, I kind of hate social media. <laughs> yeah. I'm not a fan of Twitter. I'm not a fan of Facebook. Um, but you know, I, I, I try to get a, a flavor of what's going on out there, uh, you know, with people, you know, not necessarily as much politicians and things of that nature. Uh, but I mean, you know, they're, they're, they are they're trying to they're trying to trying to downgrade the uh, the military now uh, because I mean, there's people out there who are are literally calling for a military coup. I mean, there's a lot of folks out there on our side who think that that's it, that's the only thing we got left. Is to uh, to save the republic is our military, and the more that uh, you see the left and, and they're again they're sticking fans in the media, you know I, I think revealing this, I think there there may be a lot of truth to that. Uh, no, I mean because they're not. Tr- I mean I, that or the, that maybe they want somehow the Democrats to have their own military or something, and then they can only trust you know. Maybe make their own SS or brown coats or whatever, but uh, but yeah, that's that, that's what I think is happening uh, now. Now they got now they got to go after media. Now, I mean, not media, the uh, the military. And I tell you what, folks, if they're able to degrade the military in the way uh, that they want to, well, one thing I find to pe- peculiar, you guys may or may not have heard about it, is that the Democrats are actually now saying that more than just the president. Should have the nuclear codes. Uh, I know anyone else here um, has read or heard anything about that? More about that? 
they were pushing that when Trump was president too, because they didn't, they were afraid or so they said that they were afraid of him having the sole button, you know, being able to push the button or whatever, but so dumb. Oh, by the way, Burma is leading the way for the military coup because they've got that going on right now where their military took over and they said that they would be that way until they could have arranged a fair election. Wow. Well, I tell you what, it's, there are some people, uh, yeah, there, there are some people, yeah, a lot of people are thinking that. I mean, I've I seen something where they say 29% of the population, or at least maybe, or maybe they 25, 29% of the people on the right are saying that, you know, we should, you know, become regions. The United States should split up into regions uh, instead of being, you know, one nation, which I don't know if I like that idea. Cause, I mean, I think that just weakens, I think that weakens us even more. Uh, but again, I mean, with with them co- them going after the media, it does make me think that there may be some I, there may be some truth in that the, the the military is our last stand against them taking over full control of the people. Well, here's here's the reality, Robert. Right now, the Dems are going after Manchin, and uh, MSNBC commentators said that West Virginia is no longer a Democratic stronghold. So they're basically trying to purge Joe Manchin out for being a centrist, and they probably will succeed because the, the radical left that's in charge of the party, they're the majority. So it's kind of hard for one man to fight the DNC, especially at the federal level. Now, the problem with the GOP and why all of a sudden people like Mitt Romney are capitulating or the reason why Lindsey Graham is smart to play the role very well He's never strayed away from Donald Trump throughout this whole process is because Lindsey Graham knows how to play ball. Give the guy credit. I don't like him on a personal level. I don't like him on a professional level. But when it comes to playing the role, he plays it beautifully. And even Kevin McCarthy, they are saying we cannot do this without Donald Trump being the face of the party. 65% of Republicans and conservatives were polled, and they asked if Donald Trump announced tomorrow he would run for 2024, would they consider him in voting for him to be the nominee? 65% astoundingly said yes. The people have spoken. The people continue to speak. It's not going to change. We want Donald Trump. We're done with the feckless GOP establishment. We are done. We're done with the Mitch McConnells. We're done with the Nancy Pelosi's. We're done with the, with, with, with the Thunes, uh, who's second in command to Mitch McConnell. We're done with the establishment. We are a part of the greatest political movement that has ever been built in history thanks to Donald J. Trump. And we are not giving our votes to the feckless GOP. And we're not giving our votes to the feckless socialist Democrats. We're giving our votes to the American people. We're taking back our power, we the American people. You see, for four years, the whole world got to see that if you elect somebody who is only beholden to the people who elected him, you can actually drain the swamp. Donald J. Trump is living proof of that. He did that for four years. Now, keep in mind, I don't agree with everything he did. I think he uh, made a lot of bad judgment calls and who he decided to 
appoint to his cabinet and 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 who he decided to trust to be at the helm. And I'll be the first to say he did a poor job in that. He really did. And that really messed him up a lot. Anywhere from Dr. Fauci to John Bolton uh, to Nikki Haley, multiple examples. Donald Trump made poor decisions, even to having Jared Kushner. I agree Jared Kushner was a horrible advisor. He should have not had it. I agree that Trump should have never had any Obama holdovers. Do you know what Biden did in his first day as president? He even fired the custodians who were part of the Trump administration who were taking care of the White House. (laughs) Sleepy Joe got rid of every single person, even the janitors. Donald Trump should have did the same thing when he got elected. No Obama-Biden holdovers, period. What does he do? He keeps Fauci. I will never understand that. So for people who say that this show is just a one-sided, biased, cheerleading squad for Trump, baloney. Listen to the archives. Listen to every one of the panelists on this show. And we are as objective as objective can be. We call out the politicians, especially we've called out Trump when we didn't agree with his policies. We're not, M- we're not MSNBC. We're not CNN. We're not Fox. We're probably the most objective podcast in the whole country because we're not afraid to call out Trump or other politicians when we feel uh, he, he has implemented the wrong policies. But at the same time, we're not afraid to not support him when the you-know-what hits the fan after January 6th because of the riots where everyone decided to abandon Trump. At the same time, we're, we're, we're principal people. We're, we're not sheep that could easily be herded. We're not going to fall for that. And in doing that, this is a very, 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 very short article. If you do allow me to read it, I would appreciate it. But this is, came out yeah, from the ahead. FBI. And uh, the article is by Red State. And it says, law enforcement confirms what we already knew about the Capitol riots, obliterates democratic narrative. This was written by Jeff Charles on February the 23rd, and uh, Red State is a conservative outlet. Here's something the Democrats hope you will miss. Law enforcement officials testifying before a joint Senate hearing on Tuesday confirmed their belief that the January 6th riots at the U.S. Capitol building was planned before the day of the event. This information completely annihilates the Democrats' narrative regarding the assault on the Capitol building. The Hill reported top current and former law enforcement officials testifying Tuesday before a joint Senate hearing on the January 6th riot at the U.S. Capitol Hill told lawmakers that evidence pointed to coordination and planning behind the mob of people that overwhelmed Capitol Police officers during the attack. Former Capitol Police Chief Stephen Sun told members of the Senate that several factors led authorities to believe that the riots were pre-planned and not spontaneous, as Democrats have suggested. Quote, I'm able to provide you a quick overview of why I think it was a coordinated attack. One, people came specifically with equipment. You're bringing in climbing gear to a demonstration. You're bringing in explosives. You're bringing in chemical spray. You're coming prepared, he explained. The former police chief also noted that pipe bombs outside of the Democratic and Republican Party headquarters. He indicated that they were likely placed to distract enforcement from the Capitol during the assault on uh, 
uh, enforcement from the Capitol during the assault on the Capitol. Acting D.C. Metropolitan Police Chief Robert Conti III concurred with Sun's assessment. He told lawmakers that he saw hand signals being used by several of the insurrectionists, along with communication via radio being used by others. A number of individuals linked to various right-wing groups, including the Oath Keepers and Proud Boys, have been arrested in the weeks following the attack in connection to the violence, while the FBI's D.C. field office is currently searching for dozens of other people present during the attack, according to The Hill. Remember when the Democrats based their entire impeachment case on the notion that former President Donald Trump incited the assault on the Capitol in the speech he gave at the rally? Have you seen how they still pretend that the entire incident was his fault? Well, this story further debunks their deceptive narrative. It is evident that none of this matters to the left because they already know that their arguments are false. They are as dishonest with this matter as they were about Russia collusion. But it's no surprise that they have resorted to this level of deception. It's easier than debating the issues, isn't it? And I defer uh, back to you, Robert. Well, now, I mean, you, you can tell you mentioned about the uh, the guy that wanted to give had to be the AG. Um, he, he, of course, this isn't going to surprise anybody. Uh, it says, you know, Biden AG Merrick Garland, and that name sounds awfully familiar. Isn't he an Obama holder? I don't know. That that name sounds pretty pretty familiar. It says won't commit to allowing the Dermans. Now, here's the ironic thing, at least in my estimation. Biden AG Merrick won't commit uh, to allowing Durham investigation into Russian origin to continue. Now, two things. One, that doesn't surprise me. And two, well, three things, actually. Two, personally, I don't think it matters whether he does or not, because three, I think the reason why Durham was dragging his freaking feet is for this very thing to happen. I don't think Durham had any. And I've said this on past shows before. You mentioned, you know, we weren't keen with everyone in the Trump administration is that, for one, Durham and, and, and Barr, I wasn't a big fan of Barr either. Um, but anyway, with, with, with Durham, is I think he drug his feet because for this very reason. I think they knew, both Republicans and Democrats. And, uh, you know, I think the deep state knew that they were going to steal the election and that, that, there, that there's just too many, you know, too many things that, that line up for that. And I think they knew it. And I think that's why he drug his uh, – Durham drug his feet with this investigation, knowing that they're going to steal the election, and knowing that the Democrats weren't going to let this stand, that they were going to have – you know. and even if, even if Trump did get reelected, I don't think Durham was going to do much about it anyway, you know, regardless. I mean, he was. What the hell took the guy so long? By the way, don't forget about Durham, Durham Marlin, Merrick Garland was going to be the Supreme Court justice appointee by Obama in his last year, and it was the Republican Senate majority that – Exactly. Mm -hmm. That's all I wanted to say. He was supposed to be Obama's handpicked appointee for the Supreme Court justice during 2016, but it didn't pass through the Senate, thank God, because Republicans had the majority. Right. McConnell said he's going to hold that spot for Trump to pick his Supreme Court justice. 
And since they were the majority in the House, I mean in the Senate, um, he could do that. But um, as far as getting the investigation, don't forget about the appointee that um, Sessions had um, hired in Utah, Dunbar or Dunham, um, not Durham. He was hired later uh, to pick up the investigation. But um, that other one that started the investigation under Sessions, he disappeared. We don't even know what happened to him, whether he was uh, replaced or, or fired or what. <laughs> I mean, do you remember that? He was the first one on, on the whole uh, investigation. And then um, later it was Durham, the one that we're talking about now that um, was dragging his feet. But there was somebody before him under uh, Jeff Sessions. And he just disappeared. We never heard from him again. We heard that he started an investigation. He was from out of Utah. And everybody thought that was great because it's far from D.C. So this way he can't be influenced (laughs) or corrupted. (laughs) But, uh, yeah, he just disappeared. You guys remember, right? I mean, I'm not crazy. Yeah, that is. Yeah, that's that's true. Wow. I'm I'm telling you, man, the more I – the more this – continues the more i'm just <clears throat> i'm just disgusted with it i really am i'm just so disgusted with it i mean <clears throat> and i i mean it used to baffle me when i can hear people be like you know oh well you know it doesn't matter you know and you know what you do and i i can see where people do i do i see where people just want to give up on politics and just kind of like live their life the best that they can <laughs> i really do i just but guess what Guess what, Robert? And I'm not trying to toot anyone's horns, but every panelist, including myself, we called it right from the beginning. Even you called it right, Robert. On the day of the riot, we said this was a coup. This was, this was a setup. How is the most highly guarded place had no guards whatsoever? They basically let them walk right in. you got to be kidding me. And we all called it. We all saw for what it was on that day. Even you, Robert. He says it just doesn't add up. It's not adding up. Capitol Hill is supposed to be the most guarded place in Washington next to the White House, especially since 9-11, and they walked in like it was nothing. Well, yeah, and Absolutely I remember, like going, it was I remember when I was in D.C. about four or five years ago, and, and all the crap I had to go through just to sit, have a seat in the gallery. I mean, how did these people get into these people's offices? I mean, well, we went, I went to go visit my representative's office. Right, and we had to be actually escorted. We had to be escorted there. And it was just me and my family, and we had to be escorted there in order to, you know, just to be to go in his office. And then, in order for us oh. to actually get in the gallery, you know, for the um, to see the Senate, I mean, we actually had to go through, you know, all, a couple different detectors. We had to take out our phone, any any electronics. We had to leave every electronic oh, there. Even for the guided tours, you have to go through that. And here's one more caveat. Today, they just released, you know that one police officer that the Democrats claim died at the hands of the insurrectionists? Guess what his cause of yeah. death was? He died from a stroke. It had yeah, nothing to do I with the riot. Yeah, well, I, I thought I heard a heart attack, but... No, they're saying he had a stroke, stroke, but nonetheless, it's a pizza narrative. He, he didn't die from the insurrectionists. No, they didn't kill him. That's another bombshell on top of the article I just read. I mean, that's just another bombshell. I mean, we all we all smelled it from, from day one. It was fishy. It wasn't adding up. 
And uh, it, it's clear that the evidence is showing more and more that this was premeditated and this was not incited by Donald Trump. And the evidence is coming out more and more powerful for that. So, you know, kudos well, to uh, the whistleblowers. You heard about the Time Magazine article, right? And how the Democrats fortified the election? Oh, yeah, God. Yeah, that big time magazine, they pretty much outed themselves. Yep, they sure did. I'll um, send it to you so that way you can read it off your phone if you want to for people who don't know about it. But, yeah, I was just like, holy oh, crap, what are they doing? Yeah, it's a pretty, <laughs> it's a pretty, pretty long article, but I know what you're talking about. Yeah, they pretty much admitted it. They're like, oh, it wasn't a coup. We just were fortifying the election. Yeah, they're pretty much yeah, they pretty much admitted what the yeah, what they were doing. It's terrible. Yep. Robert, there's this new double standard coming out, okay? So the seven Republican senators and the ten GOP senators are saying, Well, if our base censures us, then our base is no different than the left who preaches intolerance. Here's the difference though. In the summer of love, as the Democrats want to call it, these anarchists, on behalf of the left, were committing violent acts. And you had representatives such as Maxine Waters and Nancy Pelosi and other Democrat governors encouraging them. There's a difference for those who want to make the argument that we're doing the double standard here. We're not practicing tolerance here. Here's the difference. Donald A. Trump, in his four years of office, never committed an act that endangered the American people. No, it was quite the opposite. Everything he did put the American people and the American first agenda first. First president in history to do that and to try to drain the swamp. And he created a lot of enemies, especially on the right, the establishment. Yeah. The difference is these seven senators and these mm-hmm. ten GOP uh, congressional candidates in the House, they're claiming this is a double standard. Well, how is it a double standard? There's a difference from senators and politicians on the left who embrace the anarchy, the killing of cops, the killing of innocent civilians, the burning down in arsons of police stations and cars and businesses. There's a difference from standing up against that and this wild notion that our president incited an insurrection. Really. And that's why you need to vote your conscience. No, the truth is you couldn't handle the truth. You couldn't handle that Donald J. Trump presented the most existential threat of your careers, you bunch of hacks, you bunch of establishment <laughs> hacks. Puppets is all that you are. No, Donald Trump only sinned is that he was in the way of your dirty swamp agenda. And that didn't bode too well for you folks. And of course you can't say the truth because you're a bunch of cowards with no spines. Of course you're not going to get up on the microphone and really say the truth. Well, we like our power and we hate our voters and we didn't like that Donald Trump stood up against that. No, you're not. But if you're going to make the argument because Liz Cheney came out and she said, well, how is our voters any different from what the left is preaching? If we as Republicans are going to call out the left for their intolerance, 
aren't our people doing the same to us for voting our conscience? The same. You're comparing apples to oranges. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, Liz Cheney, she is that dumb. I would say dumber, and her father is dumb. Dumb and dumber, like the movie. Yes, her failed daddy, who was a warmonger and a failed vice president with a failed administration of George W. Bush. How did compassionate conservative work out for the country? Didn't work out too good, did it? You basically gave the keys to Barack Obama and allowed him to hijack the party. Yeah, congratulations, Liz Cheney. I'm sure you hope your dynasty lives long, long, and forever. I don't think so. For her to have the temerity to say that this is a double standard shows even more what true cowards they are. Again, point to one policy or one act in the four years that Donald J. Trump was president and where he endangered the American people, whether it was on a national policy, a foreign policy. Show me one, and guess what? If you can, Liz, I'll move to, I'll move to Wyoming and I'll vote for you. That's how much I bet you could not give me one act that he did that put the American people in jeopardy. No, quite the opposite. The economy boomed in sorts of heights we haven't seen in a long time. Our adversaries, such as Iran and China and North Korea and, and, and Russia, for the first time they feared an American president. For the first time we had the lowest numbers of illegal immigrants crossing the border because we actually had a president who enforced the border laws. Unlike Reagan in 86, who'd opened the floodgates for amnesty. People always think that Reagan was this great icon and father of conservatism. He was a good president. I'll give him that. Was he great? In my opinion, I don't think so. Opening the floodgates for amnesty, I don't think was the most conservative thing, but history will, let her, will, 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 will uh, attest to that later on. Yes, that is Donald Trump's one sin is that he became the first politician at the highest level of government to actually follow through on his campaign promises. And that is the existential threat he posed to both sides that just were not having it. They wanted to go back to the old days of the status quo where they're in office for their own benefits, not for the people. And well, that's why they tried the sham impeachment, because... They are so afraid of him running in 2024 because they know if he runs, hell have no fury for Trump's scorn. Not only will he pull another Grover Cleveland, mark my words, it will be the purge of the GOP establishment. On their tombstone, it will read, 1854 to 2024, rest in peace, P.S., thanks to the greatest political movement in history, created by Donald J. Trump, and I'll defer back to you. Well, and that's one of the things I've been, you know, talking to folks who were, you know, t- you know talking about all oh, the Capitol riot things. And it's like, look, you see, you see what happened after that event there, you know, at the Capitol. And, you know, of course, you see the politicians, you know, want to, you know, erect, you know, barriers and obstacles and walls to protect, you know, the politicians. But they don't want to erect, uh, you know, or they want to stop, you know, putting a more wall to protect the citizens of the United States against these flooded of illegal immigrants, 
you know, and the coyotes that they bring over and the gangs and the drugs. They don't want to stop that. They don't want to protect the, 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 the citizens of America. But, boy, they'll go out of their way. They'll spend $30 million in Washington, D.C., you know, to protect the politicians. But they're not, you know, but they don't want to spend any more money to protect, the, the, you know, the citizens, you know, against, you know, these foreign invaders. That's a great point. That's a very good point, especially um, because, like you said, Americans, as far as locking us out of the house, the people's house, you know, um, they forget who they work for. And instead, you know, they believe that they are um, the elitists. Yes, they are the lawmakers, but we sent them there to make laws, laws that work for all of us, not some of us, and, you know, not laws that infringe upon our God-given rights. But unfortunately, it's what they think is best, and um, and when they are in fear, they will protect themselves at all costs, which we saw, and will continue to see um, as they take apart our military because of their fear. You know, who are they? They are nothing more than the people, and they've forgotten, which we've already so discussed thing, like a million times. <laughs> Go ahead. You know, I was going to say, one thing uh... – you, you, you stated earlier, Joseph, it was, you know, how, you know, if we disagree with people, you know, we say it even if we're, they're one of our favorite, you know, politicians or past politicians. Um, and yeah, I mean, yeah, I'm, as you know, I'm on the uh, the Newt Center Circle, and you know, Newt said something the other day, and he stated, uh, and I disagreed with him. He was like, oh, well, you know, someone asked him. Well, when, you know, for representatives, do you think they should vote according to their constituencies, you know, what their constituents want, or should they vote on their conscience? You know, and, and Newt said, you know, well, I think, you know, I think people should, you know, when they vote, I think they should vote according to their conscience. And, uh, and I disagree with them on that. I mean, you're not being put there to be yourself. You're the, that's why you're, you've got the title representative in front of you. Or senator in front of you. You're not there, you know, to, for yourself. You're there to be a representative of your constituents. Not to like, well, yep. you know, I know this is what my constituents will think, but this is what I think, and so I'm going to vote that way. I, I just don't think it's – I don't think that is why, you know, yeah, we didn't we didn't put you there for your, um, you know, to, to vote on your own accord. You're supposed to be there to vote for, your, for us, your constituents. Right. It's not about so, personal uh, preference. I could agree with Newt on that. I'm like, no, no. So, Robert, let me ask you questions. Uh, first of all, a little comment about Rush. I think he was awesome. He did great things for America. The Newt Gingrich uh, Congress with Contract for America. Trump did, or, uh, Rush Limbaugh did enormous good, and he's going to be sorely missed. Incredible communicator. So that was kind of a yeah. quick thing for right. All right, so then we go into um, politicians. Politicians, okay? So they vote their conscience, right? I wonder how many congressmen or even state house legislators. I wonder how many of them have on their website, "Hey, this bill's coming up, and what do you guys think?" 
I mean, we have the modern technology, you know, for example, you know, HR 175, just picking some numbers here. HR 175, here's what it's about. Um, constituents, what would you like me to vote? Yes or no? When has a politician come forward with some type of web-based survey? Of course, the challenge with that would be you know, people voting twice, three times, ten times. As a poll, um, yeah, they're going to get into election fraud again. But it, it just reach out to the voters. Because I ask that because when is the last time you talked to your congressman? Anybody on the phone? Yeah, I was at the town hall meeting. That's a lot to be honest with you, yeah. Yeah, Doug Lamarco came up, and there was a long line of people asking questions. Yeah. All right, so when was the last time you talked to your congressman? When was the last time the congressman, of course, they can't call up, what, half a million or a million? When was the last How are they going to reach out to so many people, okay, and say, hey, what do you think? They don't have time for that. They have time to call their donors for their next election. I have a way. Years. You have a Okay. Well, I, I'd like to hear it. It's called committeemen. Become a committeeman. Each precinct has a, a, pre, a committee, and if you become a committeeman, the politicians, your politicians meet once a month, and you get to talk to them personally, plus you get to vote on the delegates. They have a lot of power, and we have over 200,000 seats available for volunteers to do that once a month. And um, it's at your precinct. And you show up, or you look it up on your website and find out when they meet, and you, you show up, you be nice, and then you ask them if they have any seats available for committeemen, for volunteer committeemen. If they don't, then you ask to be an assistant to committeemen, and then you get in, and you have a lot of power there. Um, more power. We have 400,000 seats total and 200,000 seats are vacant. And that's how the Democrats do it. And that's how we get the rhinos out. Because the reason why people don't know about it is because of the people who are in office now don't want to tell anybody about it. Because if they do, then they can actually, the committee can actually decide not to support that candidate and they will support somebody else and knock on doors or do whatever that they do to organize. And we don't, we don't do activism. That's why there's so many seats available. But, um, yes, and um, David Schultz was on Steve Bannon's show talking about it, and he's been doing it for years and been trying to get people to do it since 2009. Um, and him and his whole family is involved in it, but we need more people. You know, I tell this you what, awesome. I need more people. Go ahead, Charlie. This is also known as the precinct strategy. Okay. And the precinct strategy also, it depends on what state um, and even specifically what county you're in. But you can run for precinct chair or precinct captain. And it's a lot of the positions are open. And you, you could run uncontested, be knocked on doors in your neighborhood. Oh, this is our precinct. Yeah, I'm running for precinct captain. Here's what I'm about. Da, 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 da. Now, the precinct captains get together in a county convention, and they pick who is the chair of the party, the secretary, the vice chair, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And it has an enormous power yes. in doing so. And so if you have 
possibly five uh, five committee. I'm sorry, five precinct captains or committee captains. You know, your your state, your county central committee is another way to have influence. And so, you know, your whole county committee is elected by your precinct chair. Mm-hmm. Or so then, if you have say, if you have say five buddies, ten buddies that are precinct chairs in your county, and you write a letter to your congressman, there's a higher chance that you, you're going to be heard by them. It's frustrating trying to get a hold of your congressman. How about you? In California, the ratio. If I want to talk to my state house assemblyman. I'm competing with a half a million people for his attention. My state house senator in California, it's one in a million. I have, I'm competing with a million people to get my state house senator's attention. Something really wrong with the numbers. That's way too. In uh, New Hampshire, the ratio is like one to 3,500 people. Right. You're competing with 3,500 people. If you become a committee man, a volunteer committee man, then you have you have their ear. So they show up once a month, or the meetings are once a month, and you show, and they show up. I've actually seen the video Suzette is referring to, and my honest opinion on that is, what do you have to lose? Because in the video, um, you know, they bring up the point of what are the requirements. There really isn't much to it. You show up once a month. You show up for a meeting. What do you have to lose? Try it. You lose nothing by trying. Um, and I believe Steve Bannon because he's a he's a man of notoriety and a man of name recognition. So I don't think Bannon is just going to put any hack on his uh, podcast to just say what the people want to hear. So if it's coming from Steve Bannon's podcast, I believe it to be true. I believe it to be credible. And like I said, worst case scenario, it doesn't work. But what do people have to lose by dedicating maybe a few hours once a month? You don't know unless you try. Filling those seats would be just a lot of power, as, as um, Kelly was saying. Thank you, Joseph, for that um, that explanation. <laughs> that was good. You're welcome. Thank you for sharing the video. It was very inspirational. I hope more people get to see it. Yes. Thank you. Yes, yes. Send, uh, yeah, send me the video. I'd be interested in seeing that, too. Okay. I'll send it to you and, and to Kelly. He already knows a lot about it, but I'll send it to him anyway. I'll send it to you anyway, Kelly. <laughs> Well, 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 one of the other things, um, one of the other things I, I would suggest people to do is, and, and what thing I'm going to look into doing is, I tell you what, ne- next election, next presidential election, I think I'm going to be one of those uh, poll observers. I'm going to be one of the, you know, I'm going to get to be, uh, be an uh, observer. I think I'm going to go to Reno. I think that's going to be the best place to to, to observe. <laughs> Never mind. It is as far as logic after dark, so I'll throw in a little humor in there with, with um, you know, uh, in all serious. honesty, Robert. In all honesty, if we're really going to address the elephant in the room, and this has to be a strong conservative push by conservative legislators, but we the people need to demand that our Congress people, our congressmen and women and senators, vote to put legislation on the table. To protect voter integrity, and it needs to start with banning Dominion systems in those 28 states. They need to be banned, but they can't just go up on the floor and say, we want to ban them because we believe 
they were responsible for the 2020 rig. No, they got to present the facts, which um, actually Kelly has done a wonderful job of doing that throughout this whole process. So is Suzette. And both of you have even brought guests that validated how corrupt Dominion systems are. So we need a strong push from our legislators. If we're ever going to have voter integrity, we got to start from the root of the problem, and that's with those 28 states that have Dominion. Don't worry. We'll get to the mail-in ballots. That's just as problematic, but I say the bigger problem yeah. are the Dominion systems, and they need to be put. They need to be banned. They need to be put out of system, and that can only happen by a strong push from our Republican legislators at the federal level. I'm talking about our congressional leaders, but the problem is that's not good for business for the establishment on both sides. They would like the Dominion to stay where they are, but that doesn't bode well for us, the American people. Because I agree with you all, and you all have said the same thing. Without voter integrity, we will lose our constitutional republic. So if we're going to start at the root, let's start at those dominion systems. They need to go. But then we need our legislators to present and validate that argument. They need to prove that burden on the Senate floor or on the House floor. But we need to start putting our elected officials speak to the fire and saying, oh, yeah, you talk about voter integrity? Great. Stop making it a boiling point. What are you actually really going to do to pass common sense legislation to protect that? Because if you're going to start somewhere, uh, I don't need to be a rocket scientist or a, polit- or a career politician to know you start with Dominion and in the 28 states where they thrive. Get rid of Dominion. You can't, you, you, Rome wasn't built in a day, but um, I think that's a great start. Uh, what say the three of you? But yeah, but the, the question was on that is how do you do that? <laughs> By electing. And this is taking a big chance because we're only going by their words. Because truth be told, Robert, Suzette, Kelly, you're right. We have more distrust than ever in American history in our, own, in our, in our political system and our government, and then our politicians, and we have every right to. We have every right to, because every election cycle, we get this new flavor of the month that says, I'm going to go to Washington, and I'm going to do this and that. The only one who kept his word was Donald J. Trump. The only one who kept his word. That's sad. We're almost a constitutional republic for almost 240 years, and just only one president succeeded in keeping his word. That's bad. No wonder why we're in the hole that we're in. It didn't just happen over eight years or 20 years. Yeah, we're in a bad hole. We're going to hope this time around that the people who we're going to help to get to power are going to be people who are going to be committed to draining the swamp. And that's all we can do is hope for the best and expect the worst. But, ladies and gentlemen, we must not stop fighting. Do you want to know why? Because the Dems want you to think that we are defeated. They want you to think that the integrity of the election will never be respected. They want us to feel demoralized and defeated and discourage us from going out there and fighting the good fight. And, you know, they're doing a good job of it because everyone is starting to say, oh, well, what's the point? They're just going to rig it. That's exactly what they want us to think. If we give in to that notion, we help them succeed. I get it, guys. Morale is low. I don't blame the people. They've been screwed over so many times. 
they have distrust. I don't blame them. But if we stop fighting, and I've said this on this show many times, you might as well take out the white flag, wave it, go to your boss, tell him you resign, and go live inside a bunker. You might as well give up on your family and everyone you've ever loved because if you give up on this country, you are giving up on the ones you love. If this country goes down, ladies and gentlemen, we all go down. It's like the Titanic. We all go down. Only in the Titanic, not everyone went down. It's probably poor metaphor. Well, all the ones that were not on my boat died of hypothermia. But you get what I'm saying, guys? I know this not because I'm an expert. No, of course not. Not because I profess to be an Einstein, but because I worked for the Dems. I started out as a Democrat, but I started out in the Bill Clinton era where we were blue dog centrists. I know their game. And we always were dominant over conservatives when it came to psychological warfare because we always did a great job of convincing the right that there was no reason to fight. We won. Checkmate. We've always done a superior job. I can attest to that. I'm not proud of it. I learned a lot from it, but I know from their playbook that is how they dominate us in psychological warfare. They want to make us believe that there's no chance in hell, and as long as they think there is no chance in hell, they discourage any motivation to want to fight. So we say we're just going to give up. What's the point? We'll just sit on the sidelines. They won. Checkmate. Look at Donald J. Trump. They have done everything to make his life miserable, to draw his family in the mud, but the son of a gun still fights. I don't know how he does it. I think it's well, divine intervention. Still, and there's, yeah, and they're still going after him. I mean, now you've got you exactly. know, you've got SCOTUS. You know, that's the thing. That's the thing about the, the the Supreme Court is that they won't listen to the cases, but then they'll then but then they'll allow uh, prosecutors to look into his, his taxes. I'm like, what the hell is that? If, if that's not I tell you, if that's not a, you know corruption. Uh, or at least a loss of integrity, then I don't know what is. Exactly. And all I can say is I can't give people the free will to want to fight. Continue to want to fight because you believe it in your heart. But this is what Trump said on the day that he was vindicated when they voted not guilty for his impeachment. Our historic, patriotic, and beautiful movement to make America great again has just only begun, and I look forward to continuing our incredible journey together in the months ahead. Ladies and gentlemen, Donald J. Trump is not defeated. So why are we, his movement, his followers, why are we giving in to the Dems' notion that it's over? Look at our president that despite everything they put him through, he still has the fighting spirit. It's amazing. If only every conservative had the heart and fortitude of Donald A. Trump, we probably would have been dominating the Dems in psychological warfare for over 100 years. So if Donald J. Trump is still continuing to fight for us, why are we going to stop fighting for him? Because if a fight for him is a fight for America. It's a fight to preserve our constitutional republic. It's a fight to preserve our liberties. Don't get, us wrong. Don't get me wrong. When I say fight for Trump, I'm not making this about one man. None of us are. That's where I think they misunderstand us Trump supporters. They completely get us wrong. Their debunked myth is that we're a cult, 
and we are we owe our allegiance to Donald J. Trump like he was Hitler. No. We owe our allegiance to him because he puts America first. It's as simple as that. People are so blinded by their passions. That's why we love him, because he fights for America. He always puts America first, never him. His family has been sullied in the mud for four years. You never heard him get up and say, or whine or cry or complain. Nah, he got up every morning, went to that podium, took on the lamestream media, and said, I'm going to continue to to put America first. And he did. So, ladies and gentlemen, I urge you, you, we are not defeated. The Dems are doing a great job of making us think we are, but we're not. And as I told you, Robert, on last week's show, I, I really believe in my heart and soul that Trump being found not guilty for the second impeachment is the turning point of this war. For the first time, Nancy Pelosi and the House managers, they were losing their, you know what, I don't want to say it on the, on the radio. They were losing their SHIT. They were losing it. They were going berserk. And I said, finally, this is the turning point of the war. Now we're starting to win. Now we got them in psychological warfare. How they like that taste of their own medicine. And I truly believe this is the turning point. We cannot give up. It's not over. We will preserve our constitutional republic at all costs. And I'm not trying to be critical, but like I said, if you want to believe it's over, then you have given up on everyone you love. You just might as well just give up. Go ahead. If you cherish your husband, your wife, your grandkids, give up on them too. Because if this country goes down, we all go down, it's all done. That's why I continue to fight. I'm not fighting for me. I'm not fighting for my family and my friends. I'm fighting for a lot more. I'm fighting to preserve the most beautiful constitutional republic that has ever existed in this world. You know, the Dems spend a lot of time saying how horrible America is. If America is so horrible, then why do people in record numbers still risk their lives to cross the border every day if we're such a horrible nation? They cannot even articulate that or, or defend that or rebut that, can they? Yeah, answer me that, Dems. If we're such horrible people and we're a horrible nation and we're so racist, then why is everyone from almost every nationality risking their lives every day to come to our country? If we're so racist and we're so horrible, you couldn't answer that one either, could you? Nah, you can't because you'd be contradicting logic, would you? And uh, I'll get off my soapbox. I'm sorry. I, 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 Robert, <laughs> no, whatever a, you have is getting contagious, okay, so I'm going to get off my soapbox. <laughs> no, I'm done, but uh, I'm just joking. But, you know, I'll get off my soapbox for a little bit. But, but that is the truth. I'll leave you with that. I'll leave you with that. Any liberal who makes the argument that we are a horrible nation of systemic race, you know what I would counter that with? If that's the case, then why do immigrants from every region of the world, even from third world countries, risk their lives every day to come to this country if we're such a horrible nation and we're so racist and we're, we're a country of bigots? Why are they still coming across the border, risking their lives coming in containers where half of them are suffocated or where coyotes, they get killed or, or double-crossed and shot by coyotes 
left bleeding on the border. Really, Dems? You can't answer that one, can you? Checkmate, you can't handle the truth. Period. The dog agrees. Yeah, Robert, this is Suzette's husband. Um, I can't put this in the, the chat room right now, but um, I just have to say bravo to Joseph right there. My, my God, uh, I don't know if that's a soapbox you want to be standing on, but I tell you what, you stand on a lot of heads with that one. That was great. I mean, what do you say about Trump and the whole that, – that was awesome. That's all I want to say. Sorry, guys. Just jumped in there. No need to be sorry. No. Thank you. you thank you very much. It comes from the heart. It comes from the heart. It comes from the heart. I, but thank you. It comes from the heart. Well, I have to warm up my um, call-in voice. That's probably why I don't really talk too much on there. Usually save it for the chat room. But other than that, bravo again. Mic drop. So, so I appreciate it. Um, but, yeah, and, and that is true. I mean, there's a lot of people, especially after the sick. Um, and, and, again, I think that whole, oh, the insurrection, I think that's to try to hold us back because they're trying to make us think that, oh, well, if we're going to resist, they're going to think that we're, gonna, we're part of the, this insurrection that they're saying. Which the ironic thing is, is remember, always take what the Democrats are blaming others for and know that that's actually what they are doing. So the insurrection isn't by you know, us, or it's not even by the people who you know, stormed the Capitol. It's not even them. The true insurrectionists are the Democrats. And I say this many, many times, and I tried to pose this uh, question to Newt, but they, they changed the conference times. Um, hopefully it's, it's temporary, but they changed it to 5 o'clock on Tuesdays instead of 11.30, so – I, I could only stay in for a, like a half an hour while, and then half, I have to get back to work. So I was asking Newt this and, you know, to get his opinion on it. And, and I've been saying this for a while is we, the United, America has never been closer to being like Nazi Germany, the former Soviet Union, or China than it is now. It's, it's never been this close to, to being like their system. You think about it, and that's what they want, party system. That's why they threaten to have, you know, just to stack the courts and bring on states that they think is going to give them Democrat senators. They have control of the media, so the, the, so the, the quote-unquote so-called mainstream media is nothing more than the propaganda machine of the Democrat Party, and since the Democrat Party controls the federal government, the central government, and, and I would even say it's not even the Democrat Party. It's the political class controls it because you've got some Republicans who are just as bad as the Democrats. So you basically have a one-party system who has control of social media and you know, big tech and in the media as a propaganda machine. I mean, so we're we're pretty much there. I mean, we are, folks. Whether we like to name ourselves this or not, or don't even at this point in time realize this, but we are the resistance. That's who we are. We are the resistance. And. You know, right now, I know, you know, I know, I think it was, um, 
you know, I'm on. I get one of the LaRouche calls too because I'm you know part of the LaRouche Pack uh, organization, and I, I go to their, some of their conference calls, and I know a couple of folks here on the car are familiar with them. And I mean, they what one thing I think the media has done a good job with again, you know, not with, but against the people is making the people think that, and and I felt this way too, that we're outnumbered. And, you know, this lady, I think her name is Barbara from the Roost Pack, is like, well, no, we're actually, we're actually not outnumbered. We're actually in the majority. But, I, you know, but what we need to do is we need to, I mean, I'm telling we need another Tea Party movement. We need the people who went to all the Trump rallies. We need them, we need them back into the streets. Now, I know in a lot of the United States right now, it's winter time. So my hope is, is once things start, you know, warming up, uh, that we will see, you know, more people taking to the streets. Because I'm telling you, that's what it takes. We got to fire. We got to fight fire with fire if we're going to win this war. We really do. And, you know, taking to the streets has been successful. Now I'm not saying burning down people's businesses. I would. I would not say that. I mean, I don't think we should do that. Um, you know, people's, uh, you know, stores and their little shops and stuff like that. Now we, of course we don't do that, but you know what? We should, we should go to the, in a state of this for months, you know, we should have people go in mass to the media and let them know, look, we're, we're tired of you, you know, lying to us and withholding information, you know, from us and, and pushing the, um, basically it's the government's, you know, it's the government's, uh, narrative. And we we really do need to go and show them thousands and thousands of people uh, to go down and do that. I mean, that's what it's going to take for, you know, of course, we'll be at this point because we are the resistance, you know, people who are saying, yes, we should do this. We'll be, you know, they'll try to, they'll try to dub us, you know, uh, you know, terrorists or something like that, just because of the very fact that we resist them, you know, all domestic terrorists, it's like, no. No, we're not. You know, we're not. We're not trying to terrorize anybody. But we want to know that we, we want to know that you have our displeasure with what you're doing, and we're not going to be quiet about it. And what they're doing is, you know, they're using every. every you know, I mean, it's almost to the point where you feel like you you can't support anything, you can't do anything. What I mean by that is, I mean. You know, you you've got Amazon. You know, you have Amazon Prime, and then you know you have different you know the the TV stations, and then you, know, you have corporate some businesses. As I stated in the my uh, opening comments today, how you know now there's businesses getting involved. I mean, look at Coca Cola. I mean, Coke is my like my favorite. Uh, you know, it's it's like my favorite. Um, you know, when I drink pop, I don't drink a lot of pop to be honest. But if I do, I like Coke. But now I'm too white to drink Coke because I have to learn if I if I could drink if I'm going to drink Coke I got to learn how to be less white and frankly I don't know how to do that so I guess I guess I'm just can't drink Coke you know you know any longer uh, because you know I mean I got rid of our uh, we we had uh, AT and T we I got rid of AT and T because what they were you know. What they're doing, we got rid of Amazon for what they did with Parler, you know. But we we have to, you know, strike back with these folks, you know, with with our wallets too. I mean, I, I know you hear some people hear Sean Hand like, well, I'm not for boycotts stuff like that. That's all they're going to listen to. 
They're only going to listen if it's going to affect their pocket somehow. Or, you know, if you put the you know, put yourself out there, cuz I don't think they, you know, either one, jo- you know, Joseph, you know, and the rest of you of course, is that I think that they um I think they know their 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 tactic is working and making people feel that that uh, defeat it and, and things of that nature. But that's but that's why again, as we said earlier in the show, I think that's why one of the reasons they're going after our military is because that's next. And, and once once the left is able to degrade our military, then then they're going to be able to again then they're going to be able to get the power they crave to control the American people. And I, I think that's what all this COVID stuff's about too. As you know, it's about it's it's about control. And now I guess I'll get off my soapbox. <laughs> hey, hey, Robert. Yeah. I just want to, uh, Joseph, for his passion. And I've kind of stayed out of political things lately, simply because I'm burned out. The COVID-19 research team, which, by the way, we got to get those people on the air. And uh, that was start, started in June. And then the elections and preparing for the elections, I just burned out. I've had several nights till 3 or 4 in the morning. I just burned out. So I worked on a gold mining claim. I actually got it granted by the BLM. No, not Black Lives Matter. Bureau of Land Management, okay? I don't know why people would protest the Bureau of Land Management, BLM. Anyway, I named the claim. I named the claim Stream Therapy. So you drive about 20, 25 minutes out in the woods, up in the mountains, and you get out and walk. You, you cross a big stream and then a little stream and then you little waterfall, three foot. You just sit there and you're like, wow. All your problems go away. Political, the concern for the nation, how the Constitution is being violated, how local politicians don't have a clue about elections, and other things. I just named the, I actually named the claim stream therapy. <laughs> anyway, so we have to continue. I mean, maybe I'll just need a little respite. Maybe I'll need a little, you know, recovery and. That's what I'm looking for. Rest. Rebuild my hope. Get inspired by speeches like Joseph gave. And we move forward. And we continue to move forward. Joseph asked a, a question. The question was, how did we get rid of Dominion? I have the contract. Wachiski County, California. I have the contract. The Dominion has a signature from our county that we're paying them millions of dollars over the course of many years. And guess what? There's a chink in the armor. June 30th, 2021 is when their contract expires, which means, oh, guess what? You're going to have to renegotiate. Oh, yes, you will. <laughs> How about some standards like uh, open source software? Bam! The minion's gone. So when there's a request for bid, the way government works is there is a request for bid, and uh, anyway, we had some parking pro- – anyway, I talked to a neighbor. All right, so when you do a request for bid, 
you also provide specifications. Okay. What are the specifications for you to bid? Well, open source software, uh, we don't lease your equipment. We own it. We can inspect your equipment at any time. Oh, goodness. Dominion would never give a bid on the specifications I just mentioned. They would run. Oh, how the rats will flee when the lights come on. Those simple little things. Okay, well, we still need a vote counting machine. How do we get one? We find somebody that can meet the specifications. (laughs) There you go. Done. So the contract is up June 30th of this year. I'm going to be meeting with the county election clerk. Will she listen? I doubt it. Well, we'll see what happens. Maybe I'll sign a petition and we'll vote on getting rid of the Dominion machines. Or a checks and balances system like the Humboldt County Election Transparency Project. Okay, you want to keep Dominion? And we're doing the Humboldt County Election Transparency Project. You can't cheat here. If you do, you'll get caught. So there are ways to get rid of Dominion. Hopefully the private sector is coming forward. By the way, if you've heard of Yvonne Hutton Pulitzer... He's a computer geek. He looks like he should be on the Dilbert cartoon. I'm saying this out of somewhat affection for geeks because I am one. And uh, yeah, me the, too, uh, Yeah. So you know what? Um, you know what? Well, speaking of geek, real quick, you know what show I'm really getting into now? I don't watch a lot of TV, uh, but I do have a like every once in a while. I like to have a show that you know I watch a couple episodes before I go to bed. He kind of Unwind because I, you know, I'll pick like one episode of like on Netflix or something. Which now I don't even know if I'm going to keep Netflix. But anyway, again, because I don't watch much uh, uh, Stranger Things. If anyone on this panel, real quick, uh, uh, watch that show. No, nothing. Okay, never mind. Go ahead. <laughs> anyway, there's so, my geek. Uh, I must be such a geek, Kelly, that even the geeks among us don't know how about that geeky show. Show, go ahead. Well, uh, okay. So Yvonne Hutton Pulitzer, who, who he found um, through some judicial orders, whatever, expert pulled in, examined the county system. Guess what? Yeah, he found Dominion had modems in their vote counting machines in Georgia. Surprise, surprise. Anyway, all right. So he is working on a ballot from what I've heard. He's working on a ballot that's like a $100 bill. What's wrong with a $100 bill? Well, then nothing now because it's so hard to – it is so hard to make a counterfeit $100 bill. Extremely hard. So if we have ballots that are as secure as a $100 bill, guess what? At 3 in the morning, uh, boxes and boxes of ballots that are fake are not going to be showing up. And you have a little device, you scan across, fake, 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 throw them out. And you have a bunch of poll watchers, a bunch of poll watchers, and uh, what would be nice to pass a simple law that, uh, yeah, poll watchers can purchase this machine, and they can check the ballots. 
scan, ding, fake, 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 like a $100 bill. 20s are more commonly uh, fake than the 100s because, well, the cheaters had to go elsewhere. But anyway, so there's some hope there. And with competition in the private sector, we can get new election machines. Somebody come in with a new election machine. It's transparent. It's open. It's trackable. It's Everything I I don't like these machines. I'd rather have had counted paper ballots counted at the precinct, counted in public view, before the ballots leave the precinct. When they leave the precinct, they got a chain of custody. When the ballots show up, they have a chain of custody. Okay, we can do this. I mean, like I should put a man on the moon. You know, we went and explored the Titanic. <laughs> I said, come on. Why can't we have an honest election? Because the will's not there. Okay, so. Enough Americans are wide awake. The changes are going to start to come. A couple of European nations, you know what? We're done with this. Canada said, we're not having Dominion. Oh, sure, we can let, their have, we can let them have their headquarters here in Canada. And, but we're not going to let their machines be in Canada. Oh, what a concept. Texas, they looked at the Dominion machines. No. Programming and the computer security experts. No, we're not letting them. Oh, what do you know? Texas, no problem. So we have to – I mean, okay, real simple. Patch up all the vulnerabilities of our election system. Well, number one, you have to expose all the vulnerabilities of the election system. Number two, patch them up. Number one, number two. Okay, what's so hard about that? Two-step program. It's like you know, like a two-step dance or a three-step dance. Come on, it's like boom, boom, boom. We can do this. What is going on that we're not doing it? Is it ignorance and deception, or is it willful misconduct in office by public officers with no accountability? I don't know. But I'm not giving up the fight. I might be burned out and needed some need some rest. Okay, fine. But I'm going to get back in the fight. And it's so encouraging to hear Joseph and so many other people. Yeah, let's stay in the fight. We have to. If people like us and generations before us would have given up the fight, we would be suffering tyranny right now. Yes, we all are quiet, deep in thought, Miss Kelly's words. <laughs> um, yeah, I was going to say. Speaking of, <laughs> Go ahead. speaking of Kelly's words, um, we've you know, we going got about, uh, before I got to close things out for tonight's episode, um, not very many minutes, maybe about 15. It's not quite time for closing comments, but, um, you know, I'll give you, you know, I'll let the, the folks know updates on whether, you know, or when we'll have uh, our guest on. Again, I'll, I'll probably won't be reaching out to him until next week because I think he's on the way on vacation this week. Uh, that's Mr. Lombardi. He's also going to be running against uh, Kinzinger. I don't know a lot about him except, you know, some of his posts he's had on on Twitter, of course, that's why we, you know, hopefully can get the folks uh, here on the show. Of course, you know, we'll also reach out to uh, uh, the Catalina to see about trying to get uh, her on as well. That would be uh, interesting to have her uh, on the show. And then, of course, uh, folks, you know, you know, I know people here, whether you're listening live or listening to the archives, uh, probably have a good amount of people on your email uh, list. So take the link uh, for tonight's show you can find on Blog Talk Radio. 
Uh, you just go to www.blogtalkradio.com, and then in the search engine, you just put in uh, Bard's Logic Political Talk. That'll get, that'll get you to uh, the homepage here on Blog Talk Radio for the show. Uh, then you just you know can copy, you click on uh, the title, and that'll get you to uh, a tab that will have the link on it. Copy and paste that to your emails. Whoop, off it goes uh, to, to your, the people on your email list. So I certainly would, of course, uh, appreciate people doing that. Uh, and so, you know, it's got as everyone stated. I mean, we've got a lot of a lot of things to do in this fight. Um, you know, a lot of ideas. You know, we, we talked about the, the pricing project, you know, talked about the, you know, being a poll watcher, which, you know, I was saying that kind of half jest, but um, I am actually, you know, considering doing that. I mean, I'm even thinking about taking the win in 2024. I know it's some years away, but, and I know you got to take classes and that, but actually maybe, I don't know, I don't know, Kelly, you might know this. I mean, do you have to, can you go out of state to be? A uh, a poll watcher? Or do you have to do it in your in your own state? Well, I've been a poll watcher. I think what three or four elections now, and I'm asking all. Let's see, twelve, two thousand twelve, twelve, fourteen, sixteen, eighteen, twenty. Okay. Yeah, it's not hard to do. Does it have to be in your state, or can you be in another you know, to another state and do it? How does that? How does that um, work? How does one become a poll watcher? Uh, I just yeah. what's wonderful about Colleen Setzer. She was a county election clerk. She was very open and communicative, communicative, honest, hardworking, fair, clueless about computers and vulnerabilities. She uh, retired. I happened upon her in town. She gave a nice way. I was like, "Hey, how you doing?" Yeah, blah blah blah. Okay. So, um. I learned a lot. How do elections work? This and that. What's the law? What is this? This is weird. I go talk to her, and she just say, "Oh, da 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 da." So the first thing you want to do is establish a relationship with a county election official, and they love poll workers or poll watchers. They love them, typically. All right. Now in California, I just show up. They, I go show up about seven thirty, seven forty-five. Close polls close at eight. California, we have a poll judge at the precinct. I check in. You know, hi, me again. Oh, yeah, I remember you. Okay, yeah, I'm just checking in with you. You know, I know the rules. So just don't interfere with anybody voting. Da da da. Just, you know, don't touch the machines. I got that. Da 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 da. Last time she was like, oh, let me show you the, our, all, all of our our uh, sign ins when we use these Dominion machines. I'm like, yeah, okay, whatever. Seen it before. Whatever. But you, you just check in and be polite and friendly and happy because they really like people. Participating in the election process in California, they're having a very hard time getting poll workers. Um, well, there's I, that's for another day. Why? It's by structure they're they're burning people out. They show up at like six thirty, polls open at seven, and it's about ten o'clock at night. They're burned out. That's why you can't get poll because people are burned out. How about a half day? You got to find somebody else to fill the other half. Whatever. All right. So they did it by structure. Oh, we can't get poll workers. Oh, let's close precincts. Oh, let's go vote by mail. It was a structural design to go to vote by mail. Oh, we just can't get poll workers. Why? Because the laws you pass and the regulations and stuff, you're burning people out. 
by design, long-term, over many election cycles. All right, anyway, but to, in other states, basically, um, basically, uh, if, if you're all out, you might want to check. Call your, If you have a relationship with the election clerk, you can say, I want to be a poll watcher. Well, what do I have to do? Some states, you might have to register. Some states, oh, just show up and introduce yourself to the poll judge, you know, the top command person at, at the precinct. Just check in. And friendliness goes a long way. I'm asking questions in the back of my mind. I'm like, yeah, bullshit. You're blindly trusting somebody who trusts somebody who trusts somebody. Are these machines 100% secure? Are they 100% accurate? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Do they have any vulnerabilities? No, they don't. Are you a computer programmer? How would you make that determination? Well, uh, the poll judge. Okay, same question, poll judge. How do you know they're 100% secure, 100% accurate, and they have zero vulnerabilities? Well, the county election clerk kind of talks to county election clerk. How do you know this? Oh, uh, the California Secretary of State says so. <laughs> Quit it. All right. But even though I have these, I want to yell and scream at people for being ignorant. Arguendo ex ignorantia, which is Latin for arguing without ignorance, or arguing, arguing from ignorance. I'd be absolutely polite and kind and get all the information I can. And so, you know, a couple of meetings. I've had several meetings with the county. The, the best one I'm saying is the best place to start is a, just introduce yourself. I want to get involved in the election process. How can I help? Oh, they, they'll just like, oh, I love you. You know, you, oh, they got poll worker training. Um, yeah, you know, you, you got to do it a month before the election. We got a handbook. And, you know, because they're always looking for more poll workers. They want poll workers. Oh, oh, we got a willing volunteer. Cool. So the relationship with your county election official is probably a great way to start right there. And, and that can be a simple phone call and then a meeting. Even if you meet them at the county – sorry, if you meet them at the counter for 10, 15 minutes, they're going to want your name and number. <laughs> I mean, I'm telling you, they want poll workers and poll watchers. So, yeah, that would be – a great place to start. One call to the county election official. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's um, that, that's good information. That's why you know, again, you know, we we have a lot of information. Not only you know talking about you know what's going on, but I do. I think uh, everyone on this call, you know, does bring value uh, to each one of our episodes, and that's why you know we're like to see. Uh, you know, folks share these out because these are, this isn't, you know, things that everybody like talks about all the time. You know, people don't talk about, uh, you know, they, they talk about it, but they don't actually have real information on, on how to get things done. So I do like that. I have that uh, here on the show. So certainly I uh, do appreciate and I definitely want to get this information that you guys all share with us here on Barry's Logic to our audience. Uh, so definitely, uh, again, whether you're listening live or we're listening to the uh, the podcast, let's really find the different ways to uh, show the uh, share the, the the show because all, again, all the good information that you, you hear here from and motivation too, as, as we hear as you pointed out uh, from folks as well. But speaking of that though, motivation, I got to be motivated to unfortunately do the closing comments, which means that we're almost, uh, closed out for the the show tonight. 
Uh, so we'll uh, start with you, Joseph, and then uh, Suzette and Kelly, and then I'll close things out. Each person's got about a minute and a half, and then I'll have to close things out myself. But, uh, again, thank you, everyone, for coming to yet uh, another good episode of uh, Bard's Logic. Uh, we'll be back next week. Who knows uh, what we'll be uh, talking about then. <laughs> Hopefully we'll be talking about uh, having our, our guests on. Uh, and, again, getting candidates, as we know, is so important. I mean, it's, it's just part of the uh, – it's just a part of what – uh, we need to do is, is getting good candidates. And, yeah, I, I think we do. I think we do got to try to re-motivate people uh, to get, the, to get you know, more involved. And so go ahead. I'm, I'm taking up more time here. So go ahead, uh, again, uh, Joseph and then uh, Suzette and Kelly, and then I'll close things out. We've still got some callers on, so if you got uh, want to have some closing comments, uh, push the one and number dial. We'll get you in. If not, uh, thanks for coming to the show. We'll, we'll see you next time. Go ahead, uh, Joseph. Wow, time flies when you're having fun, as the old saying goes. Really do uh, it, it does indeed, but uh, actually, I have a feeling that you and Suzette are going to be occupied in doing something else in 2024, not being poll watchers, but trust me, it'll be something meaningful <laughs> uh, as well. Yeah, uh, but that's a different story, just don't want you to deviate from 2024, but... Um, no, um, I was going to end my closing comments in saying that, uh, you know, a lot of the unsung heroes of World War II were not the Allied forces, but they were the partisans. They were the resistant forces in the different occupied countries that Nazi Germany had occupied early on in the war throughout Europe. And they are the unsung heroes because what many people don't give credit is if it wasn't for the resistance, the people fighting who identified themselves as the resistance to the Nazi uh, regime and the Mussolini regime, uh, I don't think the Allies would have been able to win the war all by themselves. And so, ladies and gentlemen, we are the resistance. We are the last line of defense. Like Nazi Germany, they did a very good job of conquering Europe. At one point, they pretty much almost had it in the bag of world domination. The plan was that Japan would dominate all of Asia and Mussolini and Hitler, Germany and Italy would take over Europe and the rest of the world. But it was the unsung heroes of World War II, the resistance, who never gave up and never gave up hope. Even though they knew that it was a David versus Goliath, they knew they were going up against, at the time, the most powerful war machine, the Third Reich, Nazi Germany, which many people conceded could not be beaten. But yet every day they woke up with hope and they fought. Many of them gave their lives, but they gave their lives for a greater cause so that the next generation and the generation after that could grow up in a free society. And thanks to them, we're not speaking German today. We're not speaking Russian today. We're not speaking Chinese today. So I'm going to end by saying, for all you listeners out there who you have every right to feel defeated and demoralized, you have every right to feel it, but I urge you, be the new resistance of 2021. For yourselves, do it for the sake of your loved ones and do it for the sake of our country and do it for the sake of the next generation who do not deserve to bear the shame or deserve to suffer for our sins. 
as previous generations before us bled and died so we could grow up with the freedoms that were afforded to us and the greatest country in the world. Let us be that beacon of freedom and light, and let us do that to the next generations that will follow long after we are deceased. We are the resistance. We are that last battle of defense, and continue to fight we shall. Ladies and gentlemen, it's an honor, privilege, and pleasure to serve with you all on this show and panel. God bless you. You guys are always in my thoughts and my prayers, and so is my beloved country and the American people. God bless, and have a wonderful evening. Look forward to uh, chiming in next week as usual. God bless. Bye-bye. Thank you very much, Joseph, as always. Uh, Go ahead, Suzette. Um, You're up. Okay. Um, Yes. Um, Excuse me. I just have a, a short thing here. I'll just get on with it here. Here it screams aloud at the opening of the womb, and here and there it is delivered with a whisper. I know a lie that now disturbs half the kingdom with its noise, which although too proud and great at present to own its parents, I can remember its whisperhood to conclude the nativity of this monster. When it comes into the world without a sting, it is still born, and whenever it loses its sting, it dies. No wonder if an infant so miraculous in its birth should be destined for great adventures, and accordingly, we see it hath been the guardian spirit of a prevailing party for almost 20 years. It can conquer kingdoms without fighting, and sometimes with the loss of a battle. It gives and resumes employments, can sink a mountain to a molehill, and raise a molehill to a mountain, hath presided for many years at committees of elections, can wash a black amour white, make a saint of an atheist, and a patriot of a Polyphagate can furnish foreign ministers with intelligence and raise or let fall the credit of the nation. Goddess flies with a huge look, looking glass in her hand to dazzle the crowd and make them see accordingly as she turns it to their ruin in their interest and their interest in their ruin. In this glass, you withhold, you behold your best friends clad in coats powdered with the fleur, fleur de lis and triple crowns, and their girdles hung round with chains and beads and wooden shoes, and your worst enemies adorned with the ensigns of liberty, property, indulgence, moderation, and cornucopia in their hands. Her large wings, like those of flying fish, are of no use, but while they are moist, she therefore dips them in mud, and soaring aloft scatters it in the eyes of the multitude, flying with great swiftness, but at every turn is forced to stoop in dirty ways, for new supplies. And that's it. You can read into it what you will, but basically it is talking of the groups and who will rise above the rest, but without the lies. So be below the wow. resistance. Back to you. <laughs> well, uh, Kelly, good luck. No offense, buddy, but good luck of uh, popping that one. <laughs> wow. Go ahead, Kelly. <laughs> well, I can only try, and those are beautiful words, Suzette. So, Joseph, I want to fly to Alaska and meet you in person, and I'm going to go on your coattails. You ain't going to find him there. <laughs> He's in North Carolina North now. <laughs> North Carolina. Okay. Well, good for you. Okay. Hey, you know All what? Right. Let's I, go I would... get to North Carolina. 
Let's get let's let's all go to North Carolina this summer. <laughs> all right, well, you're all welcome. You're more than welcome. It'd be an honor. Honestly, it would be. Oh yeah. Well, cool. I have a vacation. Right. So, I have a vacation in August. <laughs> well, there you go. All right. So let me uh, go on the coattails of Joseph, introducing the unsung heroes. And tell me, we got about uh, two minutes left. So go ahead. I know. I know. Okay, so who are the unsung heroes who helped us win World War II? It was the Code Crackers. The Code Crackers knew that the Japanese were going to attack Midway Island. So we ambushed their attack. We sunk four carriers, changed the whole war in the Pacific. We had cracked the German codes as we did as well as the British at Bletchley Park. And it's stunning. We knew their next moves. We and the Germans and the Japanese thought we were stupid, but we cracked the code. We cracked the code. We knew their next moves. Isn't that ridiculous? So they're the unsung heroes. You don't see it very much. But um one of the one of the best um sources of intel of the Germans was a Japanese ambassador to Berlin in World War II. He would write reports, even he wrote a long report, 20-page report about, they call it the Atlantic Wall, you know, where we were going to invade. And from the Japanese ambassador cracking his, his report written in code that we had cracked. We cracked the code. We read his report. We knew the weakness of the German Atlantic Wall, and thus the Normandy invasion was successful. And so the estimates are with Japan, because we cracked their code, a couple million lives were, uh, at least a million lives were saved, and the war ended two years earlier. These were the unsung heroes, people that cracked the code. Everyday people, everyday Americans, and that's what we are. We may think that we're not doing much, but we influence others who influence others who influence others. And they'll come to us, and they listen to us. They ask us, who should I vote, and how should I vote on this, and this, and that? Da-da-da-da-da-da-da, here's why, blah, 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 there you go. Oh, thank you. Okay, so we are the unsung heroes, and the encouraging thing nationwide is that there are so many patriots who have been awakened who are getting educated, who are following in the steps of their forefathers and their mothers who knew what was going on. My mother knew what was going on. That's Her interest in politics bored the heck out of me, but somehow it stuck, it stuck with me years later. So the generations before us have felt the duty to protect us, and we have to continue what our forefathers did to protect our posterity. We the people, for ourselves and our posterity, let us continue in the good work that was started in 1776. And Kelly, it, uh, we ran out of recording time. We're still able to talk, but we did we did run out of recording time here. <laughs> I hope they got most of it because that was um, was really good to hear as well. Um, but yeah, so you know, again, you know, thank everyone for coming to the show. Again, if you're on Twitter, 
uh, reach out to at Catalina, that's C-A-T-A-L-I-N-A, Lauf, L-A-U-F. You know, say how you'd like to uh, have her on the program. So hopefully we'll be able to get her on as well as uh, Jack Lombardi, who, you know, stated that, you know, we'll work on some things to get him on the show uh, also. So uh, even though, well, I can't even play the song tonight uh, because it's it's already shut down my uh, ability to do so, but that's okay. So, again, uh, I hope everyone has a great week. I'm sure some of us, if not all of us, will be uh, talking off air as well. And so I hope you have a good night and take care.